0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Three of Hearts Bar and Music Venue. Three of Hearts, the hottest spot downtown to catch original music acts. We now offer reservations for private events.
1: Light
0: making a sound. The smell of death Hello, my name is Chris.
2: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's Valentine's Day on Pod Cemetery. So we're having a terrible relationships episode.
2: Toxic relationships.
0: <laughs> With 1998's Bride of Chucky and 2020's My Valentine, part of the Into the Dark series on Hulu. Let's get right into it, shall we? It's the fourth Chucky movie we've covered so far now.
2: But this is the first one that doesn't have the. Child's Play moniker.
0: It is, right. It's still written by Don Mancini, who's written all of them. And this one, though, is directed by Ronnie Yu, who made basically, despite his 21 director credits, the only ones you'll recognize likely are this and Freddy vs. Jason. Ah. The movie stars Brad Dourif, Jennifer Tilly, Katherine Heigl, and John Ritter. What is Bride of Chucky about?
2: exactly what it sounds like the doll is brought back to life again
0: again but
2: this time it's by his come to find out he had a fiance our girlfriend yeah and she has brought him back to life and throughout the course of the film she's going to turn into a doll herself and then they're going to try and take over the bodies of a young couple
0: that is correct. <laughs> the movie is available if you're a subscriber with Sci-Fi. You can rent it for four dollars or buy it for fifteen. Although you can get a little bit cheaper for thirteen dollars on DirecTV and fourteen on Redbox. Should people watch Bride of Chucky?
2: I mean, only if you're a fan of the Chucky series. And don't worry if you hated three. This is. Not along the lines of 1 and 2 as in, like, scary, but, like, it's much better than 3. But you're only going to like it if you like Chucky.
0: 3 was the one in the military camp. Yes. So what was 2 again?
2: 2 was he had he went after the kid again.
0: So he went after the kid in, three times?
2: No, in the first two movies. Oh, yeah, I guess because it was him in the third movie. But then he doesn't really go after him. He goes after the other kid.
0: So the third one had a time jump. yeah. Because they wanted to age up the kid. This one, though, kind of catches up, mm-hmm. and so it was. It's in 1998, and it actually takes place, as far as we can tell, in 1998 in present day. Mm-hmm. Whereas the previous one, I think, was 1997 or something like that. But For, it was filmed in time, yeah, in
2: like 93
0: or whatever. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. You should watch this, and here's why. I can only imagine that it gets worse from here. I feel like this has leaned into full-on silly Chucky, and it's, uh, it's testing my limits at this point. It's about as silly as I think it could be while still being okay. I think if it gets any sillier than this, it'll be worse. And there are definitely some little hints of that.
2: Well, I'll tell you this.
0: Oh, the ending.
2: It loses <laughs> a lot of its faith by the end. You're
0: right, you have a lot of goodwill towards this movie. I think a surprising amount of goodwill towards this movie. Yes. All the way up through the end until the very last scene and it's like, "Oh, no." That's like the one thing in this movie that I just flat out reject.
2: And I really think it I think it's the actors that really make this movie
0: yes, worthwhile. I think the Tiffany character played by Jennifer Tilly was a lot more compelling as a foil to Chucky than I thought she was going to be.
2: Yeah, she was way more interesting than I thought she was going to be, and it made Chucky more interesting. It definitely
0: made Chucky more interesting. Had somebody for him to play off, because he's constantly playing off of people who are supposed to be scared of him. Yes. And so now we have somebody who's sort of an equal in a way, and...
2: An antagonist, but also a... yeah, I mean they're basically Joker and Harley. Harley, sure,
0: yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly what it is. So if that idea at all is is intriguing to you, if you're fine giving up on a serious child's play like we got in the first one, as uh, we get further and further away from the first one, if you're fine with finally giving up on that, this is probably, I assume, looking at the future films, the best it's going to be. So maybe give it a shot. I'm not excited to see the next ones.
2: <laughs> I also thought that Catherine Heigl and the guy that she's dating and their friend were pretty good, too.
0: Yes. Yeah, the characters were all pretty good. So this movie has a lot going for it that I didn't expect to like.
2: Yeah, because three was so abysmal.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a fan. So you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1998's Bride of Chucky. This Halloween, Chucky's back, but this time there's more to fear because this time he's got a playmate of his own.
1: Bride of Chucky. White wedding. This Halloween, Chucky
0: gets lucky. Barbie. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Bride of Chucky begin?
2: We see a police depository with a bunch of stuff from other horror movies like the Jason uh, and Michael and Freddy paraphernalia. Paraphernalia,
0: yeah. We got the the Michael mask, the Jason mask, the Freddy glove, a bunch of other stuff.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And the a police officer is getting stuff out of an unsolved locker, which of course we know is going to be Chucky. And he finds this, he uses this lighter that they like use a lot in the movie and it like is engraved. It says to Bailey. Is that supposed to be somebody?
0: It pays off off screen. So Bailey is the officer. Okay. And it was a gift to him. It's left at one of the scenes. And that's why they think that they killed the officer.
2: Ah, so that's why it's important that Tiffany takes it. But it's a
0: conversation that they have. You never see, like, the cops finding it or anything like that.
2: Well, no, it pops out of Chucky's pocket. Yeah,
0: you see it fall to the ground. crawling, which is
2: super creepy. And
0: you assume they're going to do something with that. And they do, but it's resolved off screen and they talk about it on screen. So, yeah. But he is, importantly, he has a customized Zippo lighter... That he uses to light a cigarette. And he takes this bag full of evidence uh, that's all tied up and drives to a location.
2: He calls her to tell her, don't forget to bring my money. And in, while he's on the phone with her, he almost gets into an accident. And she says to him, somehow she knows that he's looking into the bag. And she says, Curiosity killed the cat. I know.
1: (laughs) Curiosity killed
2: the cat.
0: I know. Love it. Any opportunity to use that clip.
2: But as soon as he arrives at the spot, she slashes his throat. And she has a fun line of, well, hello, Dolly, when she finds the Uh Chucky doll. Well, hello, Dolly. I've always thought Jennifer Tilly is gorgeous, and she just looks fantastic in this movie. She does. Movie. She looks great. And I I love her voice. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's a great choice Iconic. for a voice actress.
0: hmm You think about... I mean, personally, I think about Liar Liar.
2: <laughs>
0: but I think Kelsey probably thinks about Bound.
2: I don't know what that is.
0: That's the movie that she did with uh, Gina Gershon. Who's that? Oh, no. <laughs> It's a Wachowski film, like an early Wachowski film, and it's I, very sexy.
2: I do not know it.
0: Oh, I'm surprised. But yes, I think of Liar Liar <laughs> every time I think of her. Yeah, in your bra.
2: <laughs> I can't think of what I think of, <laughs> but I yes, I do know her for Liar Liar. But so I don't know if the implication is supposed to be that she... Already had a thing for dolls, or because he got put into a doll, she became obsessed with dolls. I don't know we which don't is. get
0: confirmation of which, ah, it doesn't really matter.
2: But she has all this doll paraphernalia. But it looks like she, it almost looks like her job is to repair old fashioned dolls and sell them. But if that right. was her job, you would make a lot more money than. Right enough to live in a fucking shitty ass trailer. But whatever. Not that it's a shitty trailer actually. She actually has a really nice bathtub.
0: <laughs> yes, it's very weird. It is a shitty trailer. But yes, it's it's they're playing tricks <laughs> on us.
2: Yes, they are. But so you'd think that she'd be able to repair him nicely, but she doesn't. She sews him up together and makes him look awful. Well,
0: I mean, if you remember, he got fucked up in the last movie and she has to work with the plastic that she has so it's not just like cleaning up scuff marks and aging rubber or plastic it's, you know, she has to repair it now, yes we know, the scars that he gets are designed to look cool, they are not designed to match the damage that happened to him at the end of the third movie where his entire side of his face got sliced off by an apparently real scythe prop (laughs) And then he got tossed into a giant fan and chopped up. So, yes, those scars don't match where she would actually be stitching together the rubber. But you're going to have to get past that. He looks fucking cool. <laughs> this is a great Chucky design. I love it. It is scary as hell.
2: After that sequence, uh, we're going to meet Katherine Heigl and her uncle, John Ritter, who plays a ridiculously over-the-top, like, villain He's character. a
0: sheriff and against type, yes.
2: But so he doesn't approve of Jade's lifestyle because he is the head of police and he wants to have a nice-looking family. And I guess her parents are dead, so he has yeah, to take care of her. there's this little
0: backstory that they don't talk about much. Just something that Jade feels like, oh, it's something she can be sad about how her parents are dead and she got something from her mom or whatever. And... Now John Ritter just has to watch her till she's 18 then she can do whatever she wants but before then she is not embarrassing him. We'll hear later
2: mm-hmm so she's on her way to a dance maybe it's prom I don't know, but it's raining and her date picks her up and he is very obviously gay. So, John Ritter sends the cops after her because he knows that she's going with another guy, a guy that she, he has forbade her from seeing.
0: Yeah, this is uh, David played by Gordon Michael Wolvet. I don't think we mentioned over the opening shots of the doll and all of that, all the doll stuff that she has. We're playing Rob Zombie's Living Dead Girl. <laughs> fun.
2: Well, the reason I looked up there is because that's a living dead doll. You have
0: a living dead doll, yeah. uh It's uh, a Chucky, well, not Chucky one, a uh, Edward Scissorhands one.
2: Yeah, I do not have a Chucky doll. I
0: know, you don't have a Chucky anything and she never will.
2: No. At the same time after she has sewn the doll back together, she performs a voodoo ritual because she's reading a voodoo for dummies
0: book, which I uh thought was a
2: little on the silly side. Yes. But she says, awake, awake, awake. And he doesn't. So she says, what a crock. Awake. Awake. Awake, awake, awake. (sighs) What a crock. And that's going to come up again later, which I thought was fun.
0: Right, yeah. They did a nice little internal callback. Yes. Later.
2: Meanwhile, her boyfriend shows up. Damien, who is an absolute nerd, and we will get confirmation that he is such later, but he pretends to be a murderer, because as we're going to find out, she is way into murderers. Yeah. She is, like we said, she's a murderer herself. She killed the cop very easily. Mm -hmm. And she's starting to realize that this guy that she's dating has never actually killed anyone, and that she's definitely wasting her time with him. She also has a tarantula that she has named Charlotte, which I, mm. as much as I hate spiders, I have to appreciate. It's really
0: cute. <laughs> the name. She sends Damien to look under the couch.
2: Because f- suddenly the Chucky doll is gone.
0: Yeah, and she thinks it might be under the couch, and it's not. And that's when Charlotte falls on his face.
2: Yes, very much like
0: in Home Alone.
2: But she ends up finding him and she convinces Damien. She pretends like she's going to have sex with him. So she locks him up in handcuffs and she finds Chucky somewhere. Do you know where she finds him? No,
0: he shows up. He just appears on the chair next to Damien, I think, on the couch. And this is when Damien has his little, he gets his little comments in. He's so 80s. He isn't even scary you know, that sort of thing. Just like sort of self-aware obsessed, references. Yeah. Yeah. Hi,
1: I'm Chucky. Wanna play?
0: The hell'd you get this thing?
1: A lot of them are the cops. It's the actual dolphin, those murders. I stitched them together.
0: You gotta be kidding me.
1: No, I'm not kidding you. Oh, Why come would on, I kid you?
0: Tiffany, I knew you were obsessed, but
1: I'm not a- Chucky? He's so eighties. No, Isn't he scary? Yes he is. Look at him. You look at a punk? You looking at me?
2: <laughs> yeah, so 80s Yeah, I, I and I kind of liked that about yes, this movie uh-huh. I liked that it made fun of itself throughout the movie And yet still took itself seriously I thought that was a wonderful
0: Right, it wasn't up its own ass
2: Yeah, I thought it was a wonderful tightrope walk
0: Yeah, so there's going to be this whole sequence Where Chucky reveals himself to Damien After Damien's all handcuffed to the bed
2: Let's not forget that Jennifer Tilly does a beautiful dance. Yes,
0: she does. She's, she's a gorgeous wearing this, woman. She is. And she's pretending like she's going to have sex with him because she knows that Chucky, oh, I know, he's alive now. And then she talks about a menage a trois and then brings the Chucky doll over. And then as he's mocking the Chucky doll, Chucky's head turns towards him.
2: A la The Exorcist.
0: Right. And he's going to kill Damien here.
2: It's not the size of it. It's the way you use it.
0: Here's a question. Why are you killing Damien? Because they like to kill people. He needs a body. Why wouldn't he take Damien's body?
2: That's a really good point. When, how does he... Doesn't he... No, because he doesn't know that he can use the amulet until he looks in the book.
0: No, he already memorized the book. He already He knew the book ahead of time. They imply that that, along with the dude he meets in the first movie, who say, teaches him. I the guy him,
2: told him right. that stuff.
0: But th- they imply that he already knows the book front to back because he's able to tell her the exact chapter and page where she needs to find the information. You need to have this amulet, which he was buried with.
2: I thought that he just found that out by looking at the book, and that's the reason why he didn't try to do that earlier in the films. I don't know. Thought that was going to be their. That's a good point
0: because he would have. Yeah, I guess he would. He couldn't have known because yeah. Then in the earlier movies, he would have known that, and he just needed to get to his body. Why would it take four movies in for him to think to go to his body instead of trying to inhabit all these kids? Because he reveals himself to them first. And I was also thinking, wait a minute, didn't you just reveal yourself to Damien after you were resurrected? But this is still the same doll that first revealed himself to the little kid. So that kid is still the first one he revealed himself to. If he wants to do a simple voodoo ceremony, he would have to find and track down that kid again. Or he can just get the amulet from his body, which is buried, and use that to take over the body of anybody. Exactly. So that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. But... He fucks up because Tiffany mentions that she kept the ring that he left on his bedside table for her or whatever.
2: Which is why she looked for him for 10 years because she thought he was going to
0: propose. Right. And he lets slip that, oh, I just stole that and I was going to pawn it. It has nothing to do with you. I can't, what are you, stupid? You thought that was for you or whatever?
1: You know, Chucky, I still have the ring. What ring? The ring, the one you left for me. I found it on the mantle the night you were killed. I've never taken it off. Oh, that? The one I got from Vivian Van Pelt. From Vivian who? Vivian Van Pelt. I dumped her in the river. Remember? That ring is worth five or six grand. Easy. You mean. you weren't gonna ask me to marry you? What are you fucking nuts?
2: <laughs> you thought. <laughs>
0: She's like, oh, well, fuck you then. And she locks him up, basically.
2: You haven't changed. You'll never
0: change. Mm -hmm. And she, so it's this whole brokenhearted thing of my mama always told me, you know, and she has all these comments that love would save me or, you know, whatever.
2: Love would set
1: me free. Yeah. My mother always said love was supposed to set you free. That's not true, Chucky. I've been a prisoner of my love for you for a very long time. Now it's payback time.
0: That's going to come up later. But there's been a turn in the relationship now. And she's upset with him. And she can't believe she waited for him. She believed in him. She loved him when he obviously didn't love her. And so she's like, well, fuck you. I'm not helping you then. And locks him up.
2: And that night, in in her sad state, she'll sleep next to the dead body.
0: Which was cute in a twisted sort of way.
2: You really like Tiffany's character for some reason. She's,
0: like, really vulnerable, but also fucking twisted. And that's really cool. I I like her as a character a lot.
2: I, I don't think it's Patsy Cline's version, but we get to hear Crazy for Crying." Crazy. She's going to cry all night and the next day she'll be outside disposing of the body and she'll be talking to her neighbor. Did you understand that that was Catherine Heigl's boyfriend? Yes, I did. I did not know that that was the same person. Yeah, no, I did. It took a while for me to understand the <laughs> connection. I was like, "Who is this guy? Why are we getting this story? Is he just fodder for Chucky to kill later? What is happening?" And then I finally realized, oh,
0: yes. Yeah, so this boyfriend, whose name is Jesse, live. He, he. This is one of the reasons why John Ritter, the police chief, doesn't want Jade Catherine Heigl to date. Jesse, Nick Stabile, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, is because he's like trailer trash, and it would be embarrassing, right? So Yeah. So we know he lives in this trailer park, like it's literally a park full of trailers, and he lives next to Tiffany, who like you say is disposing of Damien's body in a trunk, and she sexily asks him to move it for her. And he, he struggles with it and, you know. She
2: asks him out on a date, but he says, I'm seeing someone.
0: Yeah, and but she's a romantic. And so that kind of actually touches her.
2: All the good guys are taken. All the good guys are taken.
0: And she tells him that you treat her right, like you do right by her.
2: This is where we get to hear the line. It's like my mother always used to
1: say. A woman spends all day slaving over a hot stove for a man. The least he can do is the dishes. Kind of a
2: philosopher, my mother. Yes, and that's going to be very important later in the film. Uh huh. But while she's talking to him, we're going to hear Chucky scream at her, "Tiffany, where the fuck are you?" And the guy is going to be like, "Uh," and she's like, "Sorry, it's my boyfriend or whatever." <laughs> no, she's
0: babysitting, and he's a foul-mouthed little fucker or oh, something like that. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
2: So that night, she's going to watch television in her very nice bathtub.
0: Yep, and she's watching
2: Then well, first she's watching the news, which is where we learn that the guy was a total nerd in real life. That oh she Damien. Murdered. yeah. Uh-huh. And she is watching then she's watching Bride of Frankenstein, which we have murder not seen. Murder She wrote yet. too. Oh, murder she wrote
0: too. Yeah. But yes, Bride of Frankenstein, and in particular, it's the scene where she's waking up for the first time and sees her betrothed Frankenstein and rejects him because he is so frightening.
2: She hates me. Yes. We belong dead and she cries. Yes. And that will again come up later.
0: Chucky uses the ring because oh, we didn't say she got him a bride doll and put that in this little I don't what is it, a crib that she turned upside down or something? I don't It's a crib it is. that is she yeah. can lock up. Yeah.
2: But I hate that this doll is not the same doll later. Right. Did you notice that? It seems
0: very obviously like it's not the They're same doll. They're
2: very obviously not the same doll.
0: I, there is a there is a makeover scene, but maybe they are, and the makeover just drastically changes her. But that
2: doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's the Annabelle problem. You want her to be creepy, right? But you also need her to be a doll that somebody would have actually bought. Yes,
0: exactly. And this is definitely not a doll anyone would have bought.
2: And I think it's so funny that people like need to design dolls to be creepy. You know what the point of Jucky is? He's kind of not creepy, and that makes him creepy. He's a child's doll.
0: Until... This movie, when its right. design is explicitly done to be uh,
2: understood, used. but they have reason for that. Uh-huh. There's no reason for her to have changed right. the appearance of the doll when she transformed into her.
0: This will and, always bug us. <laughs> yeah,
2: and people are afraid of my dolls, even though I don't think they're frightening looking. Guess why? Because they don't look like Annabelle and Chucky, and that's because nobody would buy dolls that looked like that. Yes. So I mean, Chucky in this one, guys.
0: Chucky Will saw his way through the wooden bars of his cell using the ring that's on this bride doll. And uh, he breaks out and he throws the television into her bath, killing human Tiffany. And as she's being electrocuted, he does his voodoo ceremony to move her soul into this doll's body, just like he did in the first one.
2: Do you want to, like, I don't understand why he would bother.
0: Because... It's a little half-assed. He needs her help as a human to get to where he needs to go. And now he's like, well, fuck you. So he gets to kill her, but he could still maybe use her help. So he transfers her into the doll. And now it's like, hey, if you want to be human again, you're going to have to help me. Seems a little... Plus, plus, as much as he might protest, this is horribly toxic and women don't think this. As much as he might say he doesn't love her... He really does. <laughs> like that's what they're trying to communicate. It's the Joker here.
2: Harley. Yes, situation. exactly. It's the My Valentine situation.
0: <laughs> Ironically, the guy in My Valentine played a Batman villain.
2: Yes, uh, in the same situation, a toxic relationship with his sister.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll get there. So, yes, now she's been transformed.
2: Well, when he first tries it, he does the awake. Awake.
1: <laughs>
0: What a crock. Yes. Yeah, so we get that call back. She gasps up out of the tub and then falls back in. And that's the moment when this bride doll wakes up. And now Tiffany is also a doll and she is pissed at him, but they do need to work together. So she calls up Jesse and says, I need you to take two dolls that I have in my trailer to a friend in Hackensack, New Jersey. Cause that's where Brad Dourif, Charles Lee Ray is buried. And sell them. There's $500 in, in it for you. He negotiates up to 1000 Okay, well, $500 now, and then $500 when you're done. And Just pick them up and take them. And that's how they're going to go. They're just going to pretend to be dolls, and Jesse is going to drive them. In the meantime, we get the...
2: Oh, and he decides to go because he's going to try and convince Catherine Heigl to run away with him because her uncle won't let them be together. That's
0: right. This is his opportunity. $1,000 and they can start a new life. Right. But he's really what he's saying is it allow us to put a down payment on an apartment and then I can get a job. And like, yeah, we. it's not going to like set them up for life, but it's the kickstart that they need to go somewhere and live somewhere else. You should be keeping in mind this entire time that Katherine Heigl is 17. Explicitly, John Ritter says, when you turn 18, you can do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care if I never see you again. So she is not 18 yet. It's going to be important later. But anyway, he's going to kidnap her, effectively, and they're going to start a life together. In the meantime, before he can show up and pick up the dolls, We have a makeover montage. What do you think of this? I thought it
2: was fun. I I thought it was fun. I liked the line. Barbie, eat your heart out. Yeah. I liked that you smoked a cigarette. I liked that Chucky was like, wow.
0: Yeah. looked uh at her.
2: I thought it was fun.
0: It is fun. It is fun. We talked in Ghostbusters about how Afterlife forgot to be fun. And this one... Even though it's not as good a movie as Ghostbusters Afterlife, it did not forget to be fun.
2: I'd say that was their main goal. I don't think their goal was to make a good movie. Right. They just wanted to have they wanted their audience to have a good time and I'm here for that.
0: Right, totally. So, Jesse does show up. And of course, he's turned off by these dolls, Ew, gross, and he just like he hoists them by their arms and like they bump into stuff. <laughs>
2: yes. Depends on what they're made of, but I, w- I guess they're just plastic dolls, so it doesn't really matter. Right, yeah. But so he goes and he convinces Jade to come with him and marry him. And while they're getting hi- their stuff together, John Ritter is trying to plant weed in the kid's car so that they can send him to jail. yeah. And this will work. It's weird because Chucky will take the weed to smoke it. And you think, okay, so they're not going to get caught. But then Chucky will throw it so that they do get caught so that they don't find. Everything kind of
0: pays off a little bit. Yeah, They set things up and everything pays off.
2: I guess. They end up killing John Ritter. But let's talk about how they do. Because at first he just wants to use a knife. And Tiffany says, get with the 90s. Um, What does he try
0: to use next? When she's like, be more inventive or whatever. He he reaches for a ball peen hammer, which is what he used in his first kill in the first movie.
2: And she says, predictable. Yeah.
0: And so we don't know what's going to happen.
2: Well, she also says something about, oh, she says Martha Stewart says to always be spontaneous. No, if somebody
0: shows up who wasn't invited, what do you do? You improvise.
2: (laughs) He's going to ask her. Who the fuck is Martha Stewart? <laughs> she's just say she's my idol,
0: which is so funny. I yes. like that personality trait that Tiffany, this murderous goth, loves Martha Stewart.
2: I have a I have a Goth friend who loves Martha Stewart. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I so
0: don't
2: know is, that she qualifies as goth, but
0: it is real, right? like that it, it's it's a fun sort of quirk of a personality. And of course, this is before. Martha Stewart had the, the prison cred and the Snoop Dogg cred.
2: <laughs>
0: so, John Ritter is looking for a place to stash this stuff. He looks up in the front seat and finds Tiffany sitting there. He's like, ugh, or whatever. And I think Chucky comes to life to, like, get his attention or something. I don't remember. They
2: terrify him, and then they pop something open, and somehow all these nails pop out at It's him. The,
0: so, they have a bunch of nails shoved into... The dashboard in the passenger seat And then Chucky's underneath And he wires The airbag to go off And so the airbag goes off With intense speed and kinetic Energy launching These nails directly into John Ritter's face And he, we're gonna think that he's Dead but he's laying there with all these nails Sticking out of his face to which Breddorf says why does that look so familiar It's a pinhead reference Mm. And at this point, I'm thinking, you know, I'm I'm actually kind of enjoying this, and the Chucky Tiffany dynamic is pretty good.
2: Mm-hmm. Like it
0: makes Chucky more interesting. Four movies in, they needed something to make him more interesting.
2: Yeah, they needed they needed a new. Side to him, and that's exactly right. what we're getting here. We're getting a more—he's a little more like Freddie. He's got more of the one-liners, more personality. But, yeah. but now he's got the more like we see that he was a person. He had yeah. a girlfriend. He had a whole relationship that we never would have seen, and we just could, would have just kept seeing him as the serial killer, which is not interesting for movies down the line. <laughs> and
0: that's the thing that you don't get with a lot of slashers is you don't get foils. You get. The murderer, and you get the potential victim, and it is a one-sided relationship, right? You wouldn't necessarily call the the final girl the killer's foil, but in this, that's kind of how Tiffany acts as a foil to Chucky, mm-hmm. but also as like a love interest, which is which makes the relationship more dynamic and interesting. And I'm here for that. I actually really like that part of this movie.
2: When they realize the big mess that they've caused, she says, "What are we going to do now?" And he goes, "I don't know. What would
0: Martha Stewart do?" <laughs> so they clean up. They oh, this is Literally
2: clean the van.
0: Completely unbelievable. That's fine.
2: It's, it's funny, such but it's time unbelievable.
0: As like we're watching Jesse and Jade come out of the house with their bags, just have to cross the front lawn. And in in that time, they clean everything up. Mm-hmm. And they shove him into the couch seat, the storage in the back of the van.
2: Yes. So John Ritter had already set up for the cops to pull them over again, which, again, they did the first time when they were on their way to the dance, and they made her, they made her stand out in the rain and all this stuff, like, on the night of the dance. Uh-huh. And here... Uh, he doesn't yet know that John Ritter is dead, so he still pulls them over, and they're talk She's talking to the cop. Jade is, and she's like, "How can you do this to us? We're good people." And he's like, "The money,
0: obviously, right?"
2: And she says, "You're disgusting. I wish I could vaporize you." Which
0: is not a natural thing to say. It's
2: not a natural thing to say at all. But it's important because it's going to make the. Boyfriends start to question if she's crazy. Yeah. I never understood why they called him needle nose. What does that mean?
0: Just cause he has a big pointy nose. Oh. Just I would have thought a needle nose would have been long say. and thin. Yeah, I don't know. I've never really liked that as a term, you know?
2: But so the cop investigates the car, and you don't think he's going to find the weed because Chucky has been smoking it, which is not as funny as you'd think it would be.
0: No, they do practically nothing with it. He just is smoking it with Tiffany at one point, and that's kind of all they do with it. It's not like he gets too high to do anything, waka waka.
2: Right. But so the cop finds the weed, and he's going to call them in, and Chucky... Well Chuck, the reason they do that is so that he won't find the body of John Ritter inside uh-huh. the inside the van so but Chucky's like, well shit, we can't let the cops show up so to end that problem, he decides to use the lighter to set the car on fire and it'll explode and yes, this is the crawling scene, which is very creepy,
0: yeah, some of them it is a puppet that they're manipulating some of it is. Depending on the angle of the camera, it's a little person in a suit, or a kid, or something like that.
2: It's creepy. As he is doing this, he's going to come across a stoner, and he's going to flip him off for some reason. Yeah, I don't really get that. Well, they can the, have
0: that joke of like the stoner sees something and is like, "Whoa, I need to stop smoking or whatever." Like one of those sort of. Well, jokes.
2: that's not what the stoner says. It's the not. stoner says, "What a rude fucking doll." Yeah,
0: <laughs> which I thought was a funny response.
2: It's a funny response, but it's weird that Chucky would do it in the first place. <laughs> Agreed. But so, because the cops are killed here, this is where. Like I said, the boyfriend is going to think that Jade did it. And Jade is going to think that the boyfriend did it.
0: Which is a so. fun dynamic, I will say, to an extent.
2: It makes sense.
0: They stretch it. They, like, I would say they don't stretch it out to where it's annoying. It gets resolved partially at one point, And then it comes back up when they when they kind of can't deny it. And then it gets resolved immediately. So, like, I'm okay with that. It's not spending the entire movie, you know, when you could just talk to each other. You know?
2: <laughs> this is where I noticed that, well, the camera shows you that blood is starting to pool. And I thought, I wrote down, that wouldn't have happened. I thought that that was what the cop was going to find was the blood or whatever.
0: I thought now that it's what Jesse and Jade are going to find.
2: That too. And they would think that the one or the other did it, which is exactly what happens. But I was like, are you serious, movie? A dead body would not pool out blood that much that long after dying. Yeah. So I thought that that was a little silly, but that's just because he's not dead.
0: Right. His blood is still pumping.
2: They f- flee the scene after the cop dies. Yeah. But the next thing that happens is he's going to pop out.
0: Not while they're there, though.
2: I don't think so. I, I wrote, because Chucky stabs him to death. How earth is he alive? And then Chucky says, a true classic never goes out of style. And that's when he's going to stab him. They're getting married when that happens.
0: Yeah, so... That's my point. She's 17. (laughs) I don't care that it's a roadside chapel. You can't marry a 17-year-old without a parent's permission.
2: Doesn't it depend on the state?
0: Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of different laws by state, but, like, I think all of them, if you're under 18, you need, like, parental consent, or you need to be emancipated, or you need a court order. Like, you can't just go and get married. There are low marriage ages. I think it was Alaska is like 14, but you need parental consent. So like, it's dumb. Who knows? But like, they don't even address it. (laughs) They just get married. Yes. And yes, this is when John Ritter pops up and Chucky stabs him to death. And now they got to put him back in, clean up all the blood.
2: (laughs) So I guess the chapel comes with a honeymoon suite. Yeah. That is adjacent to another honeymoon suite, I guess. Because that's what everyone that comes there would be there. Right, In a, yeah, a honeymoon uh-huh. suite, I suppose. <laughs> They'd be
0: on their honeymoon. <laughs>
2: uh, so... They bring the dolls inside, inside the hotel. Right,
0: why you wouldn't leave them in your van, who knows?
2: I don't know. But so, they get robbed, very obviously they get robbed. There's by this piece. other
0: couple that comes in, acting like they're propositioning them for a four-way. But meanwhile, this woman in the couple, who is Janet Kidder, it's Margot Kidder's niece. I thought she looked familiar. Takes the wallet with the $500 in it.
2: And steals the ring. Yes. And picks up the doll and says... Ew, what an ugly doll. And he goes, in his Chucky voice, not in Brad Dorif's voice, he says, Hi, I'm Chucky, and I wouldn't talk if I were you. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: And then the guy is like, oh, yeah, that's one of those good guy dolls. They programmed it to say a buttload of shit. (laughs) Chucky, of course, I remember he was a good guy doll. They were programmed to say all kinds of shit.
2: Oh. Well... I don't like him at all. But I love Tiffany's response, that thieving slut, she doesn't deserve to wear that ring. And there's a couple of other things that we skipped about Tiffany's lines. Earlier in the film, she calls the couple, I think they're a cute couple, but then she says with a sinister voice, and I think they should stay that way. (laughs) What she means is that they're going to take over their bodies. That becomes their plan. Uh But I also really like at one point she says, well, Chucky, I always wanted us to spend more time together.
0: Yeah, so that's why we haven't really addressed that. Their plan is to take over Jesse and Jade's bodies. So they're going to get there, they're going to get the amulet, they're going to use it to steal their bodies.
2: But so that night, they're going to go into the room of the couple who stole from them. And the Chucky way,
0: and Tiffany are.
2: And the way that they're going to kill it. I thought this was a pretty good scene of them running around.
0: I thought yeah. that was
2: kind of creepy.
0: Oh, yeah, and it was a cool way to do it, despite the bad CG. The concept was clever.
2: Oh, but it doesn't make any sense. They end up crashing the mirror onto these people, and it, like, causes, like, an okay.
0: explosion. I know. I know it's stupid. <laughs> but it was fun. It's it dumb. It was fun. I think it's Chucky. might be Tiffany. I don't remember. Who throws the champagne bottle up into the mirror it's above Tiffany. the bed. It shatters into a bunch of pieces, cutting them up. But it also punctures the water bed, which I guess because they're laying on it, the water spills. Explodes up out of it way more than it should. It's super over the top, but it's also bloody.
2: Very Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: Yes, totally. But like it was stylish enough to where I didn't care that it was unrealistic because I knew this movie was going to do things like that. I'm not here for the realism in this movie. But they kill these two, I guess because they were annoyed. <laughs>
2: Well, because she was mad that they stole yeah, from her. Yeah, uh-huh. And at this point, Chucky's like, oh my God, I do love you. I love you. And he proposes with the finger, I mean, with the ring that he has to bite off the finger of the dead lady. Uh-huh. And they end up having sex, and you're kind of, and he says, well, I am anatomically correct. And you're like, why, why would, would he a be? good guy doll be anatomically correct?
0: Okay, so, I did a lot of thinking about this. <laughs> I wrote to my notes here, the bedkill is incredibly unrealistic, but kind of cool. And then I wrote down, wait, why is he anatomically correct? And why is she, even if the quote unquote plumbing works, there's going to be more and more later that's going to be like, why is there any biology going on in these dolls? And you got to think back to the first movie that the longer they stay in these doll bodies, the more... Tied to them, they become, and they start to do things like feel pain and bleed, and so they become more human, I guess you could say, but they're trapped in dolls' bodies. So you could argue that over time, they would start to adopt real living features and things that they need, like, to keep them alive, like they would need to eat and breathe and drink and things like that, then you could assume that they'd also have reproductive organs. That is a... organs. That is a huge leap, A huge leap, but it's the best I can come up with. The biggest problem with it is that Tiffany has been a doll for like a day. (laughs) So that wouldn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, and like, honestly, I think it's a stupid joke. But fine, I get that they wanted to do the dolls having sex joke. Fucking later fine. on,
0: later on, they're going to find Charles Lee Ray's fingerprints at one of these crime scenes.
2: Which also doesn't make any sense. But it's
0: because he is becoming more that body. I
2: know you're going to say that.
0: And that's what they say in the first one, so it's not like this is some new information. So, like, I guess, but it doesn't explain why Tiffany's plumbing works.
2: Like I said... I'm kind of okay with the dolls having sex joke. I think it's a stupid joke, but I get that they wanted to do it, so they shoved it in there. I don't like the payoff. The payoff yes, the is, payoff is, is the worst fucking thing about garbage. this entire movie. It ruins the goodwill that you have for this movie.
0: Yeah, I agree. But we'll get there. That's at the very, very end. At one point during all of this, they play Thunder Kiss '65 by White Zombie. Well, So we get another Rob Zombie appearance.
2: But so, like I said, the main couple are starting to question if whether or not the other one is the murderer. And so the guy is going to go call the friend and Jade is going to call the friend and they're going to tell him the same thing.
0: And he comes to the obvious conclusion right away. The same thing I would be like, well, why doesn't David think this? They all come to him and earnestly think that the other is a killer. And he comes to the conclusion, oh, then they're both not the killer. Yeah. So he's going to show up because Jade will tell him where they are. He's going to show up the next morning and surprise them and be like, hey, I got great news for you. You both called me in the middle of the night thinking that the other was a killer. Wait, what? That means neither of you are. Exactly. Great. Awesome. I love that they didn't belabor that point. And somebody smart. But then it's going to come back up again,
2: which is stupid. And also Kathy na Jimmy pops up in this yeah, movie?
0: Yeah, Kathy Jimmy is the maid, and she's the one who finds the bodies. Yes,
2: that you know, the trope of the maid coming in to uh-huh. find the bodies, which happens in a lot of movies.
0: I mean, there, we kind of had that in Bloodsucking Bastards.
2: Had in Bloodsucking Bastards. It's in the Rob Zombie movie, Devil's Rejects. It's in, I guess it's not a movie, but it's in American Horror Story, you know. Just a lot of, let the maid clean it up.
0: Right. I I wonder how many maids in like hotels and things like that find dead bodies. Like what's the average? If you work as a maid for 20 years, how likely are you to stumble across a dead body?
2: I'm sure you're going to find somebody whether it be like from had a heart attack or something. Right. Or an or an uh, OD. It's situation. bound to happen, right? Yeah. Like yeah.
0: if you made long enough, you will find a dead body.
2: Mhm.
0: Anyway, just a, just a thought. <laughs> so there Driving away now, and they got David with them and the dolls.
2: He will find Warren.
0: Yes, the chief.
2: Which then makes his idea that it was Warren not true. And so he starts to wonder if it is one of them or if it's both of them. So he's going
0: to take the gun off of John Ritter's body.
2: And here's a problem. He has a gun, so you're thinking, well, how are they going to solve this situation? They're going to solve it by randomly providing the dolls with guns?
0: I don't know where they got these guns. Did they come from the couple?
2: They didn't get... Maybe.
0: Did they edit that scene out? Or did we just miss it?
2: They also just happen to be perfect guns that they're able to hold. They're not way too big for their hands. Right.
0: Like I say, I have a note here. Look, it's not great. (laughs) It's kind of dumb. But it is fun.
2: I do love that when he's like... pointing the gun at them, and they're like, we didn't do it! That's when the dolls come out, and David's look of just like, what, is great, but I'm kind of surprised that no one screams? Yeah. Like, this is all of a sudden, like, these three people who know nothing about this situation, nothing, all of a sudden see these two dolls pointing guns at them and able to speak, Yeah, and nobody screams? I do love that David just walks out into traffic because he's so dumbfounded by what he sees. Yeah, there's a really
0: unrealistic over-the-top, just like that motel room scene, kill of this truck just smashing him into bits, and he just disintegrates.
2: But I I liked that you, in just shock, he just walks Uh away. Like, I would do that too, probably.
0: It's a bummer, though, because you really fucking like David. David is a great character again. This movie has pretty good characters. Agreed. Agreed.
2: I do like Chucky's response. Well, that works too. Yeah. <laughs> he does that.
0: Uh-huh. And so he's going to basically take the two of them hostage just as this cop comes by. We didn't mention, but David tried to call the cops, right? Wasn't he on the phone when he got hit by the truck?
2: No, I think they just got pulled over because they were driving recklessly. Or they're about to get pulled over.
0: Yeah. Anyway, there's this cop will chase them as they drive away and- They'll shoot at the cop and then he'll get into an accident and crash. And so then they're driving away, and we're going to get all the backstory that Jade and Jesse need to hear to understand what's going on. What does he say? What does Chucky say about the backstory to get to where we got to now?
2: It's a lot to tell you. If it were a movie, it would even take a couple of sequels. Three or four sequels to to do
0: it justice. Yes. It's which of course, brain. this is the third sequel.
2: Yes, and so they're explaining what they need to do, which is uh, get new bodies. And they're like, location, location, location. Uh huh. You're here. We need bodies. And but this is when their timeline has to get speed up because they sped up because they hear on the radio. That um, They found
0: the Charles Lee Ray fingerprints, and so so they're going to exhume the body.
2: Yes, they're going to exhume the body, which has the amulet on it. Yeah. But they want to get there, but they don't want to get pulled over again. So they decide to murder an old couple and take their trailer.
0: Motorhome. Yeah. And it's a nice motorhome. There's a kitchen and everything. And it's basically going to be Tiffany with Jade and Chucky with Jesse. And they're going to drive to Hackensack, New Jersey. And Tiffany is going to make Swedish meatballs, which Chucky said earlier that he loves, and he tells her again, she makes the best Swedish meatballs, and she's also going to bake some cookies.
2: Chucky and Tiffany seem in cloud cloud nine, their yeah. honeymoon phase. Uh-huh. So Jesse sees the opportunity because Tiffany has made a big mess in the kitchen. And he says, Yeah, she can cook, but she doesn't really clean
0: house very much. Well. That's does what it she? is. Yeah. So Jesse does make the first comment. So Chucky's like, You know what? Yeah, I am the man in this relationship, and he's a dickhead boyfriend, right? So he's gonna yell at her for that. Oh yeah, they're gonna get married now. Uh, They put the ring on her thumb, which was funny.
2: So he says, "Tiff, those uh, dishes aren't gonna wash themselves." You
0: know. That's when Jade says to Tiffany, and you might think, "Wait a minute, when did Jade ever hear this?" Jesse committed to her that he, if she ever cooked, he would do the dishes. Whenever you
2: cook, I'll do the dishes. Yes.
0: And so Jade says to her, you just slaved over a hot stove. The least he could do is the dishes. And which is putting Tiffany right back. She was the one who said it originally. So she's like, yeah, yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) And so she gets pissed at him. He ends up saying her cookies are shit.
2: She says, you're not even a man where it counts. He says, I didn't hear you complaining last night, which I love men's response. to that. It's just like...
0: (laughs) So, okay, so from now on, I'm just going to tell you when you're bad in bed? No, I think the idea is for everyone around. She's only complaining now when she's trying to hurt me. Right, I understand.
2: Fine. <laughs> but I love that when Harry met Sally, like, why do, Why have not been figured it out yet? I don't understand.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, so they get into a big brawl, and a couple of things are going to happen. By the end of this brawl, the motorhome's going to get all tossed around. They're going to show up at the gravesite.
2: Well, because Catherine Heigl will take the opportunity, she's uh, tied tied up, up, and the guy is driving. She takes the opportunity to kick a distracted Tiffany doll into the oven.
0: Uh Uh-huh, and closes it, and it's still on because of the cookies, they just came out of there.
2: And Jesse will try to throw Chucky out the window, which will cause them all to get into a car accident, which is going to throw Chucky out the window.
0: I think. Yeah, he does get tossed out the window.
2: Somehow Catherine Heigl is going to wind up with Chucky and Jesse is going to wind up with Tiffany.
0: Yeah. And so Chucky is going to be carried by Jade cuz he has a gun on her to take him to the gravesite cuz they're almost there. And so Jesse is going to grab Tiffany and chase after them. She's like, "Ow, ah, oh, ow." ow, ow. <laughs> She's in a lot of pain.
2: Yes, and Katherine Heigl has a bad line of, I'm trying, you fucking midget, which is not
0: Yeah, fun. which is not fun. They kill the medical examiner or whoever it is that's there to exhume the body, and he's just alone, which is not the way that works. Mm-hmm. They would do that in the middle of the day with a big old tractor and a, all the cops and everyone present. But whatever. Just one guy in the middle of the night. They hit him on the head with a shovel or whatever. And they try to exhume the body.
2: Magically, those sh- that shovel will turn into three shovels, and two of them will be magically small enough for dolls you to You know, handle. the small
0: two-handed handle-at-the-back sort of shovels. The kind that you might have on the side of a jeep or something like that.
2: Not the kind you use for digging a grave.
0: Right. She <laughs> gets the amulet out of the casket.
2: Yes, and they're going to do like a hostage swap. Yeah. Where Chucky wants Tiffany... Although I don't know why, because Tiffany is all, like, burned at this point, and he's gonna, like, let her fall. I guess because he still wants her as a human.
0: Yeah. uh I guess.
2: But Jade is gonna go to Jesse as well. They'll cross
0: each other, and when they look at each other, it's a very funny moment. It's, like, taking a really serious situation of a hostage exchange, and then their eyes pass like you might expect them to. But she has to look down at this doll that's, like, burnt to a crisp. It's really kind of cute.
2: Well, I love Tiffany says I love that Tiffany says you're a lucky girl. Yeah. Because you're realizing what's about to happen.
0: Yeah. She's gonna fall as she approaches.
2: Catch me, Chucky. Chucky. He just walks out of the way. Yeah, (laughs) because she's all burnt to a crisp. (laughs) And Chucky is going to throw his knife into Jesse's back. Or he's gonna throw the knife and Jesse is gonna turn Jade so that it doesn't strike Jade, but it strikes him. Uh, Jesse is going to instruct Jade to take it out of the back. Chucky has the gun, so he's going to make Jade return the knife to him.
0: Yeah. So he ties them up so they can do the ritual right then and there.
2: But before he does, she says to him, Chucky, I love you. And he goes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, And she says, kiss me. And he's like, okay. Even though she's all burnt and he Uh thought she was gross. So, and while that's happening, she stabs him in the back.
0: And they fight with the shovels. She says we belong
2: dead Just like it said in Bride of Chucky And goodbye darling I'll see you in hell But but that's when they're gonna have their Shuffle yeah. fight
0: And uh, Jesse is going to uh, I think kick or something uh, Chucky down into the grave Where he sees his own dead body
2: Well before that happens he kills Tiffany And he's really cruel about it She says my mother always told me Love would set me free And all he says is get off my knife My mother
1: always told me Love would set me free. Get off my knife Yeah. He
2: doesn't even care that she's dead. But then yeah, they're gonna kick him into the the grave. And it's really great. He's like, let me out, let me out. And it reminded me of Clue. Let me out, let us out, let us out. Let us, <laughs> let us in, in, let us in. Out.
1: Let us in, let us in. Let us
0: out, let us Which out. Which is also in The Lion King, by the way. Is Yeah, Timon and Pumbaa are running from the hyenas. And Zazu is trapped in that rib cage. And Zazu's like, let me out, let me out. And they're like, let us in, let us in.
1: Let me out, let me out.
0: And they hide in that rib cage from the the hyenas.
2: Ah, this is going to come up again in the next movie as well.
0: So they have him stuck in this grave.
2: And it's a good thing they didn't kill him. Yes, because, because, because this the, is the cops when the are going to show up. So
0: this detective shows up and wants to arrest them and they're like, "Trust us, it's fucking the doll. <laughs> He's still alive." And he the cops like, "Oh god." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Chucky's just running around trying to get up. He's like, "Well, I'm going to shoot this thing." And Chucky's like, "I'll be back." I always go ahead and
0: shoot. I'll be back. I always come back because Jade has grabbed the gun from the cop and the cop doesn't knock her out. But whatever. He lets her shoot him. Just as Chucky says,
1: go ahead and shoot. I'll be back. I always come back. (sighs) Yeah. But dying is such a bitch.
2: Yes.
0: Because this is not his first time dying. This is his one, two, three, four, fifth time dying. Fourth
2: time. Oh. He
0: died at the beginning of the first one. Yeah. So.
2: It's fifth time dying. And the cop says, no one's ever going to believe this, but go home and stay put. He says on the phone, they didn't do it. Yeah, he tells everyone enough. that needs
0: to know. Yeah. So two things. Number one, I wrote down, you still don't know what they had to do with it. They could have been accomplices for all you fucking know. You at least want to interview them. And just telling them to go home and stay put is not enough. But they needed that to happen for the next thing to happen. But yes, this this cop is going to die. And all the other police know is that this one cop that showed up said they didn't do it. That's all they know. How are they going to tell anything? That's a good point. So he finds, he's waiting for his backup to show up to see all this. He finds Tiffany lying in the grass, and she's not dead yet. She springs up, just like many people have done in this movie, so we shouldn't be surprised. She springs up, and then she starts bleeding from between her legs, and then a monster baby comes out. Because I guess not only does her plumbing work, everything biologically works, and it only takes a day to gestate, and it comes out, and it's this killer baby with sharp teeth, And it kills this doctor guy by biting him in the neck or whatever.
2: And it's so much worse than it sounds.
0: It's terrible. I wrote down, okay, could have done without the birth. That's the only thing I outright reject. Mm -hmm. No. Terrible. Mm -hmm. It is awful. It is so unfortunate that this... Is how we leave the movie. Because the movie ends right here. That that's the last thing that happens. Is the worst thing that happens in the entire. And by a mile. It's the worst thing that happens in the movie. Yep. It looks bad. It's unbelievable. It's over the top in a way that the movie hasn't been yet. It's been over the top in action and fun. It hasn't been over the top in like, look, it's a gross out monster, baby crawling around. Like, you know, those sorts of B movies that we get in the two thousands and stuff like that. Like, it seems like a low budget. Isn't it funny that we say bad words sort of like, that's all the humor that it has. It's that kind of humor. And it's not, Framed as if it's supposed to even be funny. It's the most over-the-top, disgusting thing. And like Kelsey said at the beginning, it drains you of all the goodwill you had for the movie.
2: It was a really bad choice. Terrible,
0: terrible ending. If you just imagine that she woke up and killed the police officer, and that's how the movie ended, then that would be fine.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But mm-hmm. the next movie is...
2: Seed of Chucky. Seed of Chucky. So it's about the kid, so right? It is
0: about the kid, yes.
2: So it's not even about Chucky anymore.
0: Well, Chucky's there, and so is Tiffany.
2: Oh, they both come back. Yeah.
0: And I think Tiffany's trying to raise the kid, and I think there might be like a trans story going on there, too, if I remember correctly. Like, it's, yeah, no, it's, I'm not looking forward to Seed of Chucky. Ooh. We got from Child's Play 3, to Bride of Chucky pretty quickly, and I'm totally okay with that. Overall, I would say I liked this movie. Not looking forward to see to Chucky. I don't know how long it's going to be before we watch that one.
2: <laughs>
0: so is there anything else you want to say about Bride of Chucky, Kelsey?
2: I think we've said it all. Jennifer Tilly was an excellent addition. I thought the characters were all well-acted.
0: The humor isn't, it hasn't yet gone too far.
2: It's not that, yeah, the humor is not bad, and it still had creepy moments, only two, but they were there. Uh Uh-huh. But that ending is not good, and it took a lot of points away.
0: Yeah, I feel like if they wanted to make a movie along these lines, and if this is where they wanted the franchise to go, that they've kind of worked through everything they possibly could while still being good, And they're going to be left with nothing for the next movies. And there's fucking three more movies. They're going to do three more after this. What? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, this is kind of late 90s Chucky. That's why they had to change it around. Because this is a culture that knows the name Chucky more than knows the name Child's Play. Mm -hmm. Because... Especially in the 90s, these sorts of horror movies became more about the personality of the killer than they did about the quality of the movie.
2: It's very true. And this is why
0: Jason, the Friday the 13th movies, Nightmare on Elm Street, they're all going to go downhill in the 90s. It's just too bad. That's why Scream had to come along. They're like, let's make horror movies good again, you know? Anyway, what do you think... Bride of Chucky has on Rotten Tomatoes.
2: Ah, 66. 50. Okay.
0: Bride of Chucky is devoid of any fright, and the franchise has become tiresomely self-parodic. Although, horror fans may find some pleasure in this fourth entry's camp factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Metacritic of 48, cinema score of B. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. There are people that really liked it uh, and people that likely hated it. Like I say, it's the, it's, it's the taste of what would be bad. But since we only get a taste, it's tolerable. I, yeah, I can only imagine it going downhill from here. So, do you think that 50 and 48, do you think that's overrated or underrated?
2: Slightly underrated.
0: I will tell you what we rated the other ones. Okay. The first one had a 67. At the time, you gave it a 70. I gave it a 75. The second one had a 44. You gave it a 60. I gave it a 60. Remember, we felt it was kind of the first one again, but it had a more extreme climax in the factory. The third one got a 23, and we were like, yep, nail on the head. We both said 23. The reboot, we actually liked more than the first one, but only slightly. Believe it or not. So if you think that our opinion is no longer valid, that's fine it had a 64 rotten tomatoes only 3 points less than the than the original uh you gave it a 75 i gave it a 76 so what would you give this movie
2: i'm going to give it a 50 yeah yeah
0: not quite enough to surpass that half good
2: yeah score. it would have been it would have been better if they hadn't done that ending
0: yeah, that ending is atrocious. But I, I really, it feels like a segue into what comes next. And I can mentally lock that part of the movie off as, oh, that's because the next movie is going to be bad.
2: I would have guessed, before you told me what I put on those movies, I would have guessed that I had said 80-70.
0: Right. I'm surprised that we rated the first one so low. Whoa.
2: I'm surprised, too.
0: But... I think that this is probably the second best of the original Child's Play series so far. And I gave the second one a 60. So did you. I mean, 65 seems like the absolute max I would go. I'll say 62.
2: Uh, The ending just...
0: I get that. But like I said, mentally, I have locked that off in my brain as a different movie. (laughs) Just turn the movie off before that happens. (laughs) The... Detective finds Tiffany, Tiffany wakes up, end the movie there, and go, oh, she killed him. <laughs> and then, you know, you have a movie that isn't a good movie. It's not a good movie. But they very obviously still cared. They still cared to make something that people would enjoy. Yes. And not some masturbatory exercise. Exactly. Like a lot of movies that take this sort of style too far become. So I got to give it credit for that. I'll give Yeah, I'll give it a 62. So this will average out in the 50s. So that is Bride of Chucky. Our modern toxic relationship movie for this Valentine's Day is 2020's My Valentine, an episode of the Into the Dark series on Hulu, written and directed by Maggie Levin, starring Britt Baron, Benedict Samuel, and Anna Lore. What is My Valentine about?
2: A singer- had her identity and songs stolen by her ex-boyfriend, who was also her manager, and it is now being placed on another woman. She has finally gained the courage to show herself to the world and play her music again, even though this woman is famously playing her music. But nobody knows it's hers. So, at her first show, this crazy ex-boyfriend shows up and... Through ridiculous premises, gets her alone in there and confronts her about it.
0: Yes. According to an episode of Half in the Bag from Red Letter Media that goes over the Into the Dark series, they watched three episodes. This is one of the ones they watched, and they really didn't like it. Apparently, it. I can't see how it's not, but apparently it's based on a real story of producer Titanic Sinclair, who made a character with his girlfriend he was an asshole, they broke up, he took all of their ideas, because he had he finagled the ownership of them, took another person, this person's name was Poppy, and just basically remade his ex in this new person, and passed it off as original material.
2: Yes, and learning that really made it harder to like
0: this movie. I 100% agree. This was a fun concept, until I found out it was real and real people went through this. And apparently Poppy now in retrospect also said he was terrible and abusive or manipulative. Oh, he would threaten to kill himself uh, in order to get her to do what he wanted her to do. And, you know, this is like, it is a horror movie about an abusive relationship. It's one thing to talk about, joker and harley and in a comic way that's what tiffany and chucky are right like that's one thing but if you overanalyze joker and harley you realize that it is a toxic relationship as much as kelsey may not want to admit it but in real life there are very very toxic manipulative horrifying relationships tying this into something that happened in real life made it very unpalatable I will try to have you, like, keep that in mind when I go back over my notes about, like, things I liked about this movie.
2: It makes it difficult to enjoy all of the fun things they were doing to turn it into a film.
0: Right. All the
2: things you like about it. It's like, oh, but that was real.
0: And I will say this to the audience as well. Since we are going to be talking about all this, consider this a content warning for abusive relationships, gaslighting, all of that, okay? Like, if this is something that isn't going to be a good time for you, you might want to turn off the episode now. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Otherwise, we're going to be talking about this stuff. The movie is available on Hulu, because it is a Hulu exclusive. Should people watch My Valentine? It's a hard question to answer now, isn't it?
2: It's a lot harder to answer now. I mean, look, it already had its flaws. Yes. It already wasn't going to be like this amazing movie we were right. going to talk about. But we there were a lot of things that I did like about it that I was excited to talk about because – there, a lot of the Into the Dark series isn't very good, so it was exciting to me that there were elements that I really enjoyed, even though a lot of it, I felt, was stolen. Yeah, and it
0: rips off a lot of stuff from a lot of different sources.
2: Yes, but I thought that it did some interesting, intriguing things, and then you find out that this really happened to a person, and then you feel weird about
0: enjoying the movie. Right. Uh, one of my notes here is at least they had fun with the cinematography. I legitimately thought that, yes, they're ripping it off, but they're having fun. It's very obvious that the filmmaker's energy is being put to good use here mm-hmm. by making something that is dynamic and fun. If you're not going to be good, at least be fun. God damn it.
1: Mm-hmm. And this
0: is. But in retrospect, hard to have fun thinking about it in that context.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2020's My Valentine.
1: In the dark I feel you One more bet, everything could change It's over it's, it's not over until I say it's over!
2: As some of you may know, this is my first show in a few years In the dark I feel you it. <sighs> It's him <laughs> What are you doing here at Royal?
1: You were nothing before we met
2: Back off, dude!
1: Holy shit i so moved on hi sweetness
2: i really don't see the resemblance you registered every song i ever wrote in her name she is the spitting image of me
1: this here is justice
2: on the night.
0: All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does my Valentine begin?
2: We see our main character uh, wearing a hood and looking distressed, listening to a podcast for recovering codependence.
0: It is called Codacast, which I mention only because a, it is a portmanteau and I love portmanteaus of codependent and podcast. But also, a coda, it's it's a musical term. It's like a musical epilogue. It's a thing that's put at the end of a song or sometimes a section of a song that sounds different from anything else that happened in the song. Mm. Lots and lots and lots of songs have it, you know, all the way back to classical music. I don't know that it necessarily connects so much with... But it's
2: when you're changing.
0: Yeah, but it's like, you know, at the very end of the song, you do a little thing that's unique just like it it's adds a little bit of level of excitement or finality to the song or something like that it, there's it's also a literary term you could it's the same thing you know it's like you add an epilogue to the end of a thing you might call it a coda but i don't know how much it connects to this story unless you call the ending segment like It's a coda to the story of her interactions with this guy, but I think you'd have to be kind of stretching it. I don't think this is doing much functionally, but it is a musical term that exists, and so I was like, well, I guess we should probably mention that.
2: This is before you understand anything that has gone on, so you don't know if you should be taking this seriously or if you should be listening to it ironically, but you will find out that, no, you should be taking this very seriously, her listening to this. And it's explaining that, you know, your identity was blended into theirs, and you might be wondering now, who are you without your partner? Welcome back to Codacast, the weekly podcast for the recovering codependent. Let's dive right back in. Enmeshment. Enmeshment where you're defined more by the feelings of your partner than your own. The emotional needs of the other person dwarf yours. You feel their feelings. Your true identity is lost or blended into theirs. You feel responsible for the emotional state of your partner, often desiring to fix or to save them. And the bad news, unfortunately, doesn't stop there. Those that successfully break free of the prison of enmeshment could find that this throws their entire being into crisis. A lack of authentic self development makes this freedom feel and like with a any immense relational change, even a necessary, comes chaos.
0: The attached system in distress cries out, wondering. Am I without my partner? This person who was my world? What
2: are my own feelings untethered from this process? How will I survive? How can I ever feel safe again? That is exactly what our character is going through. Uh-huh. And it tells her that she should be her very own first priority, which is the only way that she has found strength to finally go out into the public again.
0: I don't really know this so much. I feel like there's one thing I know about the term codependent, and and that is that it doesn't mean what you think it means. I think a lot of people just automatically assume it means you're dependent on somebody else as a part of your life, but that's what the word dependent means. Codependent means you thrive when somebody else is dependent on you. Yeah, codependency is a circular relationship in which one person needs the other person who who in turn needs to be needed. So I guess you could say that you might be one half or the other of a codependent relationship. But depending on which role you play, you might not be the codependent.
2: But I think that absolutely works here. Because the only reason she stayed for as long as she did was because she felt that he needed her.
0: Yeah. She
2: felt important.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway.
2: As she's walking along the city streets with her beer, she sees this big wall filled with um, a bunch of posters for this woman named Treasure. Who, we haven't gotten a good look at our main character yet, but what we're going to find out is that they look exactly the same. It
0: almost feels a little sinister here, because she has the hoodie on. We haven't seen what she looks like. You know, her having this self-help podcast that she's listening to, is that is there something sinister about that?
2: Exactly, because you don't know the context.
0: But this is our hero. The person on the posters is one of the villains. Mm-hmm. Our hero is...
2: Valentine Fox.
0: Valentine Fox.
2: Which is a cool name.
0: And it's Fox spelled like Guy Fox. Yeah,
2: Fox is a cool name.
0: <laughs> and Treasure, with two Zs... Ugh. is ...is the replacement version of Valentine. So, you're gonna need to know that.
2: We're gonna see a montage of... Things showing that she tries kind of weakly online to project herself into the public eye saying that Treasure stole my music, Uh my ex-psycho manager uh, boyfriend uh, stole all my my Mm -hmm. persona.
0: I don't think you're necessarily supposed to make hard connections here in the intro cuz you don't know anything yet. But you're just supposed to get an idea that somebody has had their persona and their music stolen from them and they're being semi-public about it. But it's in like a forum setting. It's not necessarily articles written about them or anything. So maybe they're not getting a lot of traction. But you're not making hard connections some yet. But yes, and but then we also I think learn about the treasury who thinks that this person is psycho. The treasury board, I think, is what it's actually called. Is It's a message board of fans of treasure. Who goes on message boards anymore?
2: <laughs> but, yeah, so it's, you know, just like Beyonce, he can have another you in a minute. I can have another you in a minute. And i he'll be here in a minute, baby. Yeah, uh-huh. So she is finally gonna have her show. And she does. And guys, the good news here is that the music is pretty decent. The music's pretty good. Yeah.
0: I wrote down the first song. First song's okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Second song. Second song's good too. The second song is like the song of the movie.
2: Oh, the knife song. The
0: knife song, yeah.
2: I and I do prefer her versions over Treasure's versions, which I'm sure we're supposed to.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing: is some of these songs there are multiple versions that we will hear throughout. For this song in particular, we get the Valentine version, we get the Treasure version, and we get the demo acoustic version as well. Edge of the
1: knife mm-hmm. with that. I feel our blood collide, electrified, my soul is a real angel,
2: Cross my heart, hope to die, i dance with you on the
0: night. No, the Valentine version's the best one, the, yeah. the finished one.
2: Yeah, but what I was going to say is, the demo is going to come up, which is proof that she did the song five years ago. Uh-huh. I don't believe that Treasure has had this music in her, the palm of her hand for however long. Uh-huh. I don't know, five years, maybe four. Well, that's- uh, and that and she plays music on it on shuffle all the time, and she's never stumbled across this before.
0: Yeah, that that's true. But I do like the idea of, unless it's being played live on stage, the soundtrack to this movie is literally... A library of music played on shuffle, and there's a lot of convenience. There's a lot of songs that have no lyrics and are just like atmospheric music that just happens to be playing exactly when they need it to. And then songs change exactly when the action changes. But that's the thing. This movie has a style to it. And I think Kelsey feels the same way. It really, really, really wants to be an Edgar Wright movie. It really wants to be Scott Pilgrim.
2: Absolutely. And I did not mind that. I liked it. I thought – I appreciated it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was vibrant. I thought it was something interesting, and then you find out that this is based on a true story, and you're like,
0: "It feels oh, gross.
2: This should have been done way more respectfully." Yeah, your style—save that for another movie. And here's
0: the thing: I think like Edgar Wright is one, one of my top five directors of all time, personally, and I don't mind somebody trying to imitate him because. I really like the energy, and I really like things being outside the norm, and then playing with cuts and wipes and things like that, and weird visual effects in the frame. I, I love all of that. This is not nearly as considered as Edgar Wright is, because with Edgar Wright, every cut, every pan, everything is just highly considered, and highly timed, and just executed to perfection. This is not. But just trying lends an energy to the movie that makes it really really enjoyable like you say in retrospect is this really the style you wanted to tell this story i don't know
2: i okay so when i was watching it before i knew that i felt that they injected this because they needed to keep it light in some way, because it deals with super dark subject matter, and I'm sorry to people that think that this doesn't deal with it well, I thought it did a very good job of showing extremely toxic relationships, and anyone who wants to say that they don't think people act this way, especially considering the main villain, maybe you've never been in a toxic relationship.
0: Relationships are different all around, right? There are going to be people out there who identify with this. Absolutely, there are. Despite the fact that our main villain, Royal, is going to be really, really weird and really, really extreme and do things that might feel unbelievable, it is evocative of a real sort of person.
2: Yes, and again, purely as a movie, the stylistic choices I felt meshed with the stylistic choices of the cinematography, uh, his acting choices here, Uh and I thought it, it, again... You're taking really dark subject matter, and you need to make an audience want to watch it. It needs to be
0: palatable in some way. Uh Exactly.
2: And I thought that that was a good way to do it. And I thought that he made this character very believable in this heightened experience. Right. And then again, you find out that this is real, and you're like, oh.
0: Now, (laughs) we don't know... That it is, like, it doesn't say based on a true story or anything like that, but it feels like, how is there any way this isn't based on that story? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway.
2: She is playing her songs, and as she is doing so, she is being heckled by these three over-the-top characters. But again, like... If you've never met a person obsessed with something. Yeah. And, and, like, will defend it. Like, I'm sorry, have you ever worked with teenagers? I I have worked with girls. Guys, I worked with a girl once who, like, vehemently told me how much she hated the actress from um, The Outsiders because she dared be with Dally The character Dally, a made-up character from a film from the 80s, and she felt very strongly about how much she hated this woman. Yes. Like, I'm sorry if you've never met these people, I have. Uh Uh-huh. So they are there heckling this woman because they very much believe that treasure is real, and this woman is just a hack.
0: Trying to steal, and she's lying, and she wouldn't be the first person to make up something like this. As a matter of fact... We were just watching Murder, She Wrote last night, and one of the first things that happens in the very first episode when J.B. Fletcher becomes an author is that some crazy coot claims that she stole the story from her and tries to serve her with this fake subpoena. There are people out there who would do what the Treasury Board is accusing Valentine of doing, even though we know... Or we definitely figure out by the end, at least, that no, she's telling the truth. She did write all these songs. Her persona was stolen from her. But there are people out there who will vehemently believe that somebody is capable of just lying about this because those people are out there.
2: (laughs) Yes. And they are approached by the band who played previous. (sighs) I don't mind them.
0: I wrote down so many times, I am so not interested in this couple drama.
2: I thought there were fun moments with Later them. on,
0: I say, honestly, I don't care if they factor into the story later. I don't care about this couple.
2: I, I... I thought there were moments that I really
0: enjoyed with them. Maybe, but it just felt so goddamn obvious that they were going to come back later because they needed people to kill. And so we needed to maintain interest in them. So we kept cutting back to this couple who had fucking nothing to do with the story.
2: I understand I do, I but I thought I thought there were fun moments, and I sure. think I them
0: think, staying together as a band versus staying together as a couple. Do they still have sex even though they're not a couple? We're, well, we're still a band, and then like you know, like those sorts of things. It might be fun, but to me, it's like this isn't what I'm getting enjoyment out of. I'm getting enjoyment out of what's happening in the venue.
2: I get that. But in I think in the film's defense, and this is something that I thought half in the bag got wrong, people think that a lot more time is passing than actually is.
0: It is just like an hour.
2: It is an hour. Uh-huh. He was only given an hour of time. Now, I get why people would get confused about that because it seems like they take long gaps. Uh-huh. Like people get knocked out and then you have to wait for them to wake yes. back up. And could that have happened within an, the time frame of an hour? Probably not. You're probably right about that. But in the film's defense, this is all supposed to be taking place within an hour. Right.
0: So we get the first two songs, including The Knife, which, interestingly, I immediately thought of two things. Number one. The Real Knife song, which is really good. Heartbeats by the Knife. Yeah. Which was like, okay, yeah. Now that one's maybe a little bit more electronic than this song is. But then I also thought of um, the Metric song, Black Sheep, which was used in Scott Pilgrim. So right away, I'm already thinking about Scott Pilgrim. And then all the... Cinematographic stuff. Yes. Uh, made like reinforce that thinking of Scott Pilgrim. Black Sheep is the one that Brie Larson sings with Clash at Head. Oh, that's a great song. Yes, yeah, fantastic song. And I think Brie Larson does an incredible job of it. But listen to the metric version as well. It's the real version. That one's maybe a little bit more rocky, but when you get into the chorus, it feels more like one of these sort of like, sort of smoky voiced female lead songs. And we have this spectrum of like rock. With black sheep by the metric and like electronic, with freeze freeze pop maybe, or like I said, heartbeats by the knife, and then somewhere in the middle of like classic pop is this, the knife. But it feels like that sort of yes. like it's very evocative of that spectrum, and yeah, it's just interesting that not only did this song feel like a song from Scott Pilgrim, but then the style felt like a style from Scott Pilgrim and like i say not too upset because it's not telling the scott pilgrim story it's not completely ripping everything off it just gives it an energy and a level of quality that i think is good i'd rather a movie exactly feel good
2: i and i appreciate that they understood from a movie's perspective it needed that yeah it's really really hard to say these good things
0: <laughs> really really hard the fact of the matter is, the point is, is that the music in this movie could have been way worse, and I would have expected it to be. But it's actually kind of good, especially when we're listening to the Valentine versions of these songs, and not the Treasure versions. The Treasure versions are, in fact, worse, kind of like the story would lead you to think they would be.
2: Yes, they're more poppy. and Yes. They're, they're not... Like, they don't suck because they have that base, which is good, uh-huh. but they are not as good as her versions. And yes, I think they definitely did that on purpose.
0: Right. It feels more like you, corporate. you feel, yeah, exactly. Yes, it feels more corporate. You feel the emotion more when you're listening to the Valentine versions of these songs.
2: Oh, and one last thing about that couple. The reason they're talking to them, they are defending the girl, which is, I I, I got the impression they weren't supposed to know who Treasure was which doesn't no, make no. sense. No, no. They knew who Treasure the was. Sensation?
0: They knew who Treasure was. They didn't know who Valentine was. They didn't even know the fact that she's playing. All they're focusing on is that they were heckling her. And so they this couple, who is also uh, a band, comes out, talks to the these members of the Treasury Board and says, Hey, you didn't heckle during our set. You shouldn't heckle during their set either. And that's when the Treasury Board tells them... Well, that's because she's a lying, stealing bitch. Look at her. Does she look familiar? And then they look at her, and especially the guy is like, oh, my God, treasure? And they're like, no, it's not treasure. And that's the problem that we have, you know? And so that's sort of the conversation. So they do recognize that she's supposed to look like treasure. They
2: still defend her. Yes. But, I, I, as, but as soon as they as soon as the girl hears that they might be industry, she's like, what? And the guy's like, uh, industry doesn't heckle. Yeah. So get, <laughs> get out of here with that bullshit. Uh-huh. But anyway, I, and he calls her out and he's like, are you serious? You were going to let them heckle them just because they were industry? Yeah. And she's like, how can you speak to me like that on Valentine's Day? And that is the only time you will hear that it's Valentine's Day. Otherwise, the only reason this is connected to Valentine's Day is because her name is Valentine.
0: That's right. But, I mean, I guess if you're going to have a comeback concert and your name was Valentine, Valentine's Day would be the perfect day to do it. Yes. There was a funny little exchange here with this couple where the woman is like, I bought you flowers and chocolates. Would you think I was being ironic? And she storms off and he looks at the treasury board and is like, I actually did think she was being ironic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly i
0: thought there were really good moments with the couple since when do we believe in greeting card holidays
2: since always oh did you think i was being ironic when i got you a card and chocolate and flowers you know what forget about it i'll go load up so we don't get robbed
1: drama seriously thought she was being ironic
2: this is when we're going to meet our main antagonist our main villain
0: royal played by benedict samuel who if you ever watch the tv series gotham he's the mad hatter
2: yes and he's playing a very similar character in this movie Uh and i'm fine with that
0: not as sympathetic (laughs) as the mad hatter in gotham though In Gotham, he's at least sympathetic because he's, like, had his sister taken from him. Well,
2: because he was having an inappropriate relationship with her that she did not want.
0: Sure, but (laughs) you can see how he might be a little bit sympathetic to an extent. In this, he's completely unsympathetic. You'd never once feel for him. Which is good. It is good that they frame this in such a way that this person, who's so manipulative is a villain through and through. There is nothing redeemable or good about him.
2: So he's going to come in and he's going to order a vodka rocks.
0: Pretend to be gay.
2: Yes, pretend to be gay, hit on the bartender, try and get the bartender to give him alone time in this bar. And is it ridiculous that this one bartender could have the ability to...
0: Send everybody home. Send everyone
2: out. Including all the people that work there, uh-huh. like there's no—is he the manager? Like, right. is the, you the bartender usually the manager? Is not? he the owner? I mean, sometimes, I, yeah, uh-huh. but not always. Right. What if the owner called? Like, there's a lot of problems here.
0: Right. And for a thousand dollars in your pocket, how are you going to explain all the lost revenue?
2: Yes. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly.
0: But it works. He does convince everyone to leave. But he says it'll for... only be for an hour. Yeah.
2: Which is why we get that time frame. So
0: we get Valentine, uh, Valentine's best friend and uh, co-bandmate, I guess, Julie. She plays the guitar. Yes. Royal himself and the Treasury Board are the only ones who are going to be in this for the time being.
2: Right here... It is where you notice, okay, this is going to be over the top. Like, she's in the dressing room and she hears his laugh and she knows he's there. And that kind of sets the tone.
0: Joker and Harley and... Yes, exactly. uh She might as well call him Puddin' at some point.
2: Yes. They could
0: have had treasure, call him Puddin'.
2: (laughs) Yes. It's during this time that we find out that the other band did not actually leave They are inside the car having a fight.
0: Yes, they're going to have a conversation, and basically everything that's going to happen with them is that he really wants to break up. It's a huge weight off their shoulders when she suggests it, but she's like, oh, what, now are we not going to have sex or whatever? And he's like, well, can we? And then he's going to go down on her in the backseat of the car because they're adults, and that is something that they do, which is something they have in the bag called out.
2: (laughs) But don't skip the great line of... Are we still a band? Well, we're always going to be a band.
0: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> like, I love her indignation, you know?
0: Which is absolutely not true, by the way. Bands break up all the goddamn time. <laughs> uh, and then eventually they're going to come back in to the story. they're going to
2: get back together after they have sex.
0: Right. And uh, they're going to want to use their drink tickets. But... For the whole story, they're just sitting out in their car and they're gonna have no interaction or impact to the story at all until gonna, it's time for them to die.
2: They're gonna keep bringing up, like, did I hear something? You didn't hear anything.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, and
2: they don't, they keep not hearing them, yes. even though they're screaming at the door. That's
0: all they are. You know what role they're playing in this movie.
2: And the treasury has been sent out to watch the doors, which just seems fucking insane to me. Like, I'm like, doesn't it? Okay, even if your yes. mind doesn't leap to murder.
0: Yes. Wouldn't
2: the first thing come to your mind be fucking rape? Right. Why does he want this woman in here alone? And not a,
0: allowed to leave? Allowed,
2: Yeah, like it just seems absurd. And like you feel kind of vindicated when you find out that the bartender stayed and you know that it's just so there's fodder. But the fact that he didn't call before this all, like yes, before he's going to so get so many
0: caught, other things that could happen.
2: There were so many things that happened that he would have called about. Right. He would have stepped in about. Like but it doesn't he, make any sense. But
0: he basically doesn't, he poofs out of existence as soon as he leaves and then he poofs back into existence when we need to kill him and that's it. He is not a character that exists outside the frame of the movie. So like that's bad filmmaking. That's bad storytelling And this movie has a lot of these problems. Like, if the Treasury Board is right outside the door, why wouldn't they respond to the fucking screams that are happening from inside? Yeah. It's a problem. But there's also boring exposition here when Royal – so everyone leaves, and he's just talking to the Treasury Board. And then he's telling the story when Valentine comes out. He's telling them the story of what happened With his relationship with Valentine, and he's lying about a lot of things, sure, but it's just storytelling time to these people that I don't believe Royal would have given the time of day. I know he's using them and he wants them to feel special, but, like, it's a really boring way to expose it, and that's, that's my problem is... These sort of side things on the out, on the fringes of the story are just really kind of poorly done. And like the bartender, the couple outside, the treasury board, like all of that, not a fan of. But yeah, Treasure comes in because it's taking too long. She was waiting out in the car. And so they flip out about that.
2: Yeah, and his... Bullshit reason to get them to stay and outside is like, oh, no crazy fans come in. But yeah. like nobody knows that she's there. Right. But anyway, I really liked the aesthetic of uh, Treasure and... Valentine? Valentine. I love the look, but it was very Lady Gaga. Yes. Which I felt was odd Especially given one of the those music. outfits
0: in the cars with the shoulder things that come yes. out like this. I'm like, that's a Lady Gaga outfit.
2: Yes. <laughs> but I thought it was odd given the music that... Valentine originally wrote. Like, I get that they kind of changed it for Treasure, but I didn't feel like it was enough to go Lady Gaga style.
0: Yeah, but Lady Gaga also has that very talented musician aspect to her, playing the guitar and playing the piano and stuff like that. So, like, I kind of do believe that sort of element, but it is weird that they landed on Lady Gaga for the aesthetic. I guess they just needed something that's unique, that would be obvious that somebody's ripping somebody off here. And so they needed it to be unique enough that you would think that. So I guess they go with evoking Lady Gaga.
2: And let's make it very clear. This movie is made with absolutely no budget. Like there are no special oh, yeah. effects. It uh, is a
0: bottle movie. It yeah, takes they are place in all at this one location. And
2: even when we get memories,
0: it's almost like they're at the same place. Oh, yeah. They're just outside <laughs> yes, the same location. Outside. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> or they're backstage.
0: Uh-huh it is like they had one location to work with they could shoot there for a week yeah, exactly after it it's closed. like they did it in a week yeah uh-huh and that's it
2: okay but where i think this movie shines which is funny because half in the bag does not agree where i think it shines is it it really shows like i said in all, in a very kind of heightened way this very toxic relationship, and I thought that everything they showed between the two of them, all of their memories of them having sex and it being uh, violent, uh-huh. uh, them having terrible fights where he goes back and forth between being a bastard and being a good guy. Yeah. I thought that all of that was really well done. The and The weight
0: comments, and yeah. Yeah, and
2: I thought it, I, I believed it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, agreed, it is an, a heightened experience, but that right. is to keep the energy up and to not just completely depress its audience.
0: The abuse followed by the apology, like that sort of cycle, you know, trying to be as awful as he can to her. And then when she's just about to her breaking point, profusely apologizing and throwing himself at her mercy in order to make her feel guilty about wanting to leave, like that cycle is very... Very, very real. Like, yeah, I think that's all very effective stuff. Very effective storytelling.
2: While they're having these memories that are having some sort of conversation, he lets things slip. And Treasure, who is smarter than she pretends to be, but not by much. She is more evil and manipulative than she pretends to be, but again, not by much. And I kind of like that about this movie because people are complicated. People yeah. are not one thing. Just because, just because you don't want to murder people doesn't mean you're not a bad person.
0: Right. I wrote down partway through the movie, you know, Treasure is growing on me as a character. Maybe not as a person I like, but as a character. She's the one who fell. For this shtick, she is weaker willed than Valentine, and it is very believable, and she feels righteous because she's fallen under his spell. So she's weak willed and righteous at the same time, and it's this great combination.
2: And also, there is a layer to treasure, and we see it it once or twice, where it comes out that it's like, I don't really care how he treats me, I like being famous. Yeah. uh Would I prefer to not have him treat me like that? Yes. Yeah. But it kind of doesn't matter because I enjoy being famous.
0: She's almost a more complex character because she fell for it. You know? Because she succumbed to it. Maybe not fell for it. That's probably the wrong language to use. Or
2: lets it happen. Yeah. I feel like she more lets it happen as opposed to uh, Valentine who really did love him.
0: Right. Yes.
2: And I think that also Royal has not treated her as badly as he did with Valentine. And I think that's because he doesn't love her as, really. Yes. He doesn't care about her the way that he did about Valentine. And again, I am not saying, oh, but he really loves her. No, I'm saying he's a terrible human being. Whatever
0: you do, don't walk away with that impression.
2: (laughs) But in his own twisted, fucked up way, he does love Valentine anything. you can be as mad as you want about that statement. I think it's a true statement. It is
0: a true statement. And yeah, it's like, oh, he doesn't love her because he does such and such. Yeah, it's a shitty love, but it's still love. It's like his version of love. Yeah, and that makes him a bad person and he's doing bad things. Saying that it's love does not make it somehow beautiful.
2: <laughs> but as they're having this conversation, certain things are getting slipped out and Treasure goes, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? It is, it's pretty great. You're not a romantic dude. You're a true crime
1: series waiting to happen. You tattooed her face on your head. Wait, what? You melted her record collection. You hit out in the back of oh. her car and jumped her.
2: Is that true? Of course not. Uh-huh. She does a really good job there.
0: We find out that really, he's told Treasure that the reason he's there is to ask her politely to back off before they need to take legal action really why he's there is to ask Valentine. The fact is, you're right. I need you, Val, for the second album.
2: Her second album? Yeah. You want me to work on her second (sighs) album?
1: Don't be mean, I just think
0: we could help each other.
2: I think it's a billion different reasons. Yes, and I he think, wants to
0: see her again, obviously. I think he
2: wants to see her. I think he wants her back. I think he wants to kill her. Yes. I think he wants her to stop making music. I think he wants her to help. Yes. I think all these things, because I, I, like I said, where this movie shines is the fact that it understands that people- Are complex. Are super complex. Yeah. And have a million different things and a psychopath- I don't think would have would understand their intentions either. Uh
0: huh. They just have a drive to go here and see her.
2: Psychopaths. I mean, not they all rationalize of them, it however they need. But some of them have said, "I don't know why I do the things uh-huh. I do," and I think that that's a real human response. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I think anyone can relate to. We all have weird thoughts sometimes, and we're like, "Why did I think that?" Or why did I just do that? Uh huh. I think we all have those moments. Where we're just not all psychopaths. The girl in the band is going to really piss uh, Royal off to the point where he's going to take out his tiny knife. This but is it Julie. is still enough. They all
0: gasp, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Are you threatening us right now? And he's like, what? It's just a prop knife from the set of a music video or whatever. And it's like that sort of shitty behavior where you're doing something that's obviously supposed to be threatening or dangerous. And playing like, what? You're crazy for thinking I have any sort of intentions. What do you mean? But
2: this immediately- is all innocent. Treasure says, well, but it's really sharp.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You're going to take down every post about
1: me and Trash. You're going to stop this pathetic attempt at a comeback. Pack up your keyboard and your ugly friend here, and you're never going to play another pop song in your life. Heard! Oh, yeah. What if she doesn't? Jesus, fuck! Oh, come on. It's a video prop.
2: Um, Yeah, but it's really sharp, though, so please be careful. He says, you better not make me do anything, and he's, like, being all threatening. Everything is
0: somebody else making him do something.
2: And Treasure goes, no one's making you do anything. (laughs)
0: Uh I'm not going to use it. Unless
2: you make... What? Babe?
1: No one's making you... Oh, fine. Okay, no one is you know,
0: making me do anything. I'm trying to own uh, my choices. Oh, oh. That's what I'm saying. Like, I kind of, I really like that dynamic with Treasure. And I, I guess until the end of the movie.
2: <laughs> but to cool himself off, he asks her to put on some music and he asks for something funky. And I gotta say... I love it when psychopaths dance. I just love it. I think it, and I'm starting to notice that it is coming up more and more often, which means that, you know, filmmakers have picked up that it's a really cool idea.
0: Everyone's trying to be the Joker.
2: I understand. I understand. But it, I think it's, I think that it's still in its infancy. And maybe I let it go because it's still kind of cool and it's still being done in different, unique ways. Here it's being done in a disco and I fucking love disco. Um, and then they put the cherry on the top by uh, making that a song that they listen to um, together. together. Yeah. So that's you why get I, think,
0: I think this is Royals playlist. That's why I think she hasn't heard some of these songs on here before. And she just went down to the one song that said disco when he said funky. And then when the next song plays later on, he's going to compliment her for her good music choice that's the one thing that he actually compliments her on. And even that's not real, because she reveals that it's on shuffle. And then he's like, oh, the blessed algorithm, or whatever it is that he says. Playlist?
1: Shuffle. Wow.
0: Psychic shuffle.
1: Well, done, DJ
0: algorithm. <laughs> you know, it did, it's doing a very good job of playing music that's perfect for our scenario here. And it also sets up a couple of things that she has nothing to compliment her on, not even her song choice. And that's what's providing the soundtrack for the rest of the movie is the blessed algorithm, which I think is pretty interesting.
2: Yes. When he is, like, dancing in front of Valentine, she is remembering that this was a song that they found together when they were looking at albums together. And it was a really cute moment, she just has, like in the Deja Vu song. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but she has triggering moments as well. There are things that make her go back to... That emotional place with new context, things that she experiences in her current day that puts her in a position where she's feeling like negative emotions and starts panicking. And more than once, it will cause her to pass out.
2: Yes, but while he is dancing to this, trying to make her feel sad, Uh she will say, I hate you because she's built up this... You know, this anger towards him, you know, I'm not I'm not this frail little thing anymore, you know? I'm not that changed up little person, I'm still in love with you. She says, I hate you. And that immediately hurts him. Uh-huh. So he's like, You're not nice.
1: I hate you. Hmm? She
2: said she hates you.
1: It's not nice.
2: You're not nice. And people it like half in the bag, didn't like that response because it sounds childish. He is a child. He is childish, yeah. Uh He never learned to deal with his emotions like an adult. That's part of his character.
0: And you will rationally say, oh, the things you're saying don't make sense. Yeah, that's the point. He won't make sense because this is maybe a little bit revealing in the, the type of person I was. I didn't get a lot of victories over my older brother, but there was one victory I would get. We had a TV that had a shitty two-button remote, and it was up high in the corner of our room that we shared together. If you didn't have the remote on you, or you didn't want to turn it off that way, you'd have to climb up onto like a, a footlocker or something like that, the dresser, and then smack the button, the knob, that you had to smack in to turn the TV off, right? And it was a pain in the ass. And so every time it would be time to turn off the TV, I would say something to the effect of, I turned it on, your turn to turn it off. If he had turned it on, I would say, you turned it on, you turn it off. It's your responsibility. You know, like that's the argument that I would make. And it didn't, it wasn't like a recurring thing that he always fell for or whatever, but I realized I was just saying whatever centered my point of view and me getting what I wanted. And if there was some logic to it, that's all it required. But if you put those two scenarios next to each other, you can tell I was being a hypocrite.
2: That's thank you for smoking.
0: It uh, requires
2: a a moral flexibility that goes beyond most people.
1: So what happens when you're wrong?
2: Joey, I'm never wrong.
1: But you can't always be right.
0: Well, if it's your job to be right, then you're never wrong.
1: But that's not what we're talking
0: about. Ah, but that's what I'm talking about.
1: But... You didn't
0: prove that vanilla is the best. I didn't have to. I proved that you're wrong. And if you're wrong, I'm right. And that's that's kind of the way characters like this and human beings like this operate is they center their point of view, what they want, and anything that leads to them not getting what they want, as long as they can rationalize it, is unfair. And it doesn't matter if they're being a hypocrite. It doesn't matter if they're contradicting themselves. That's real behavior. And people do that... All the fucking time. Everyone does. If you pay attention enough, you will notice this. It's just human nature. So the idea that it's not believable or you want to argue with him, like, wait a minute, but you said before that will never work on this type of person. Never. It doesn't matter that you would win a logical debate. This isn't debate class. This is real life. And people exert their power in different ways.
2: Yes, and what's interesting is now it's funny because he it seemed like he was enjoying the song because it was causing her pain. But then when she says, I hate you, and he says, you're not nice, change the song, I'm done with it. That's him saying, I'm done with you. I'm mad at you as if yeah. I was listening to that song because it reminded me of you, not because it was making you sad. Yeah. And you're right, always putting himself in the center.
0: Uh-huh. And that's what
2: a psychopath does.
0: The inability to empathize. Right? That's a sociopath.
2: Sociopath, yes. But so the guitarist has had enough of this bullshit, and she kicks him in the balls, and then he stabs her.
0: Yep. And Treasure's like, oh my god. And she very quickly falls in line to his story, which is, she came at me, it was an accident.
2: And he ran into my knife
0: yeah (laughs) he ran
2: into my knife 10 times (laughs) and then he ran into my knife
1: he ran into my knife 10 times
2: where is valentine that she doesn't see this because this is she doesn't see him kill her
0: i think she does does she yeah
2: does she see him listen to her dying breath i feel like she wasn't there for that
0: Oh, no, she ran to get help or find something. She left the stage.
2: Ran to, yeah. I don't know
0: if it was because, oh, my God, he has a knife. He just killed my best friend. I need to get out of here. Or if it was, I need to find something to help my friend. Something like that. But she leaves the stage and he sticks around and is really, really interested in her last breath.
2: And this visibly shakes and scares Treasure. But at the same time, again, I don't know how much... Like, I think she just is scared that he's going to kill
0: her. Right. Really, more than anything. It's it's not exactly, but it's a little Stockholm syndrome-y. It's what do you need to do to increase your chances of survival in the immediate moment and just get by to the next moment. And often that means ingratiating yourself to the person that's the biggest danger to you. And so whatever you need to do to make this okay in your mind, you do. And that's kind of what Treasure is.
2: Yes. And they're going to have a conversation about this. And Treasure's going to be like, you know, you really should call an ambulance. And he's going to be like, it's too late. It's too late every time. Yeah, she's
0: already bleeding out. And And she asks him, how long is this going to take? Or does it usually take this long?
2: Does it always take this long?
0: You think I know how long it takes people to bleed
2: out? i was just asking.
1: Let's just watch.
2: But she, like, doesn't want to watch. But she also doesn't, like, run. It's... But again, it is for survival, but also I don't know how much she cares. And
0: she needs to, but I think she needs to act normal to make it normal. Like, that's her coping process. And he gets really, really upset after the splendor of hearing somebody's dying breath and how unique a moment that is. He gets really excited, and then he gets really upset. Damn, I should have recorded it.
2: Next time. Yeah. Is what he says. She goes, well, you know, that was your knife. Like, what are we going to do about this? And that's when he immediately puts the knife into her hand. Yeah. And they don't say anything about
0: it. Uh Uh-huh. You just immediately know it communicates to you that, oh, now her fingerprints are on it. Now she's committed.
2: Yes. But he's like, it doesn't matter. We have a legal team. And the Treasury Club is here. They're going to be on our side no matter what. It's Uh going to be fine. In fact, I think we can benefit from this, but he never once says how they can benefit from it, which I thought, again, like, I liked those things. Oh, they like, were
0: attacked by a crazy such and such and survived, and there's there's death, but it's not anybody on their side, and so it's a compelling news cycle story, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: But then he decides to move the body, and I'm like, if you're going to claim it was an accident, why would you have moved the body? Absolutely. I thought that was a weird decision.
0: Uh-huh. But, I mean, you have an actress here. Like, practically, it's better if you move the body. You don't need to pay her to just lie on the floor and worry about continuity and all of that other stuff. Just take her off the set and you don't need to worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in the context of the, the, the story, it doesn't make any sense.
2: It's around this point that he's going to find the bartender has stuck around. And he is just now calling.
0: Okay. And it's like,
2: why didn't he call when the girl was yes. first murdered?
0: I do want to say we, we, we skipped over Treasure's version of knife, we hear, and like we said earlier, it's overproduced, it is more soulless, and that's really cunning filmmaking there. Treasure. They did a really good job with the music. But yes, he's going to get into a fight with this bartender. And I wrote down, I don't need, want, or believe this brawl with the bartender. We do not need these action scenes. We do not need a fucking fist fight. Yeah, and do you believe that this guy could beat him? Oh, yeah, this fucking hunk of a bartender who probably needs to kick people out of his bar all the time. And then we got this wiry, waifish guy in Royal... Like, I believe he's a psychopath, and I believe people could be scared because you don't know what he's going to do next.
2: But they are in a kitchen setting. <laughs> and
0: it's a brawl. There's no way in fuck Royal would win this fight.
2: I mean, he has that tiny knife, but again, he's in a kitchen setting. There's plenty of yeah, things he could have Yeah, plenty of
0: knives and other things here. Yeah. Again, around here I wrote, at least they had fun with the cinematography. I, that, that's, that's most of what I was really enjoying, is the way they filmed the movie.
2: It's during this time while he's confronting the bartender that Treasure is going to be confronted by Valentine. And Valentine is going to try to convince (laughs) her to be on her
0: side. First, she's going to try to hit her on the head with a cinder block. Let's be clear. (laughs) And she can't do it because right when Treasure's is about to turn around, instead of going through with it, she just drops the cinder block. Yes. And then they get into an argument. Well, at first, it's Valentine trying to convince her that this is bad for you, too. I was where you are. And Treasure's like, no, you're a talentless hack, and that's why he dropped you. And he actually loves me, and I actually have talent, so you need to stop doing it. And then they get into a big argument, and right as their argument is reaching its crescendo about how you're a liar, this is all Royals music, that's when The Shuffle plays Valentine's original demo of her playing the guitar and singing Knife, right as their argument is reaching its peak.
2: But it's not just her saying, like, he's a liar. I think there's a lot of good stuff here. She says the line that he always says about how much he loves her.
0: Oh, yeah, which is word for word. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: You know, explaining it's a routine, it's lines, it's lies. You don't need him. I am done with this conversation. Fine. But no one will ever love you like I love you. No one has a heart as big as as mine. mine. It's just Just for you. It belongs
1: to you, for always. It's a routine.
2: It's lines.
1: It's lies.
2: When he is done sucking the life out of you.
1: You don't know squat about us or what we've been through together.
2: You won't know how to exist without him. You won't even remember who you are. I know exactly who I am. Really? Because you look like a photocopy of me. And she's going through all these things and she, and you know, Treasure keeps firing back with bullshit. Like you can't kink shame me. And she's like, I know you don't like it. Like, even if you do like it, he does it too hard. He does it too much. And it
0: seems like he can only get hard.
2: If you're not enjoying yourself.
0: yourself. Yeah. Uh And
2: it's, I thought that there was really good stuff here.
0: This could potentially act as a wake-up call for somebody in a bad relationship.
2: Yes. yes. I thought that was really good. Um, and then, yeah, and then the demo plays. And it's like, Treasure, you can't deny this right now. And it's now.
0: dated and everything.
2: But the problem is, is that this is not going to be a turning point for Treasure to be like, oh shit, you're right.
0: Now she needs to shut Valentine up.
2: Now it's true. Now it's real. And that attacks what is much more important to Treasure, which is her Uh fame.
0: Which, again, Treasure is going to behave in whatever way protects her in the immediate moment. That's how Treasure behaves. And that's how Royal behaves, too.
2: Right. I just don't think that she's willing to murder. And again, just because you don't murder someone doesn't Uh mean you're not a bad person. I do believe there are shades of bad people. Uh I think that lots of bad people wouldn't be willing to kill somebody. Right.
0: But she is... Aggressive and she does become violent. She
2: becomes violent.
0: Well, she has the she
2: becomes threatening, yes, but yes, I don't that's think what I'm she saying. I think it's She doesn't all necessarily bark. hit
0: sure. Yes. Well, I believe that too. She ends up grabbing the the fucking mic stand and getting into a fight with, with uh Valentine. But this is around here somewhere, is where the couple comes in, right? Because when Royal is distracted with them. Valentine's gonna try to get out, and this is where the Treasury Board doesn't let her leave. They take their instructions of, hey, we wanna have a private conversation, keep the crazy fans out, as it's your job to keep Valentine stuck here in this room with us.
2: He said no interrupt.
0: I really, really appreciate you guys coming here tonight.
1: Oh my God, it's our pleasure. We're so honored you reached out to the board. Would
0: you mind guarding the door from outside? Making sure there's no ins and outs. I don't want any crazy fan interactions. <sighs> totally. By this point, there's been lots of screaming. And by somebody who is supposed to be a doppelganger of treasure, how would they know that the screaming wasn't treasure? Are you telling me they would never look in?
2: Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. But we cut back to the bartender fight. And he actually records the bartender. Dying. His, his dying breath and when tre- this is when treasure walks in and she is very disturbed by what she sees and she's just like oh my god this was your plan all along
0: you really just want to kill people
2: <laughs> i can't i can't be part of this and that's when royals like hey wait a minute don't you use words like that we are a team You are absolutely not leaving this place
0: Codependence And
2: yeah. he's like You made me kill these people It's all your fault Don't be mean to me And she's And then this is when Treasure finally loses it And she's like You're a real life murderer uh-huh. Like you actually murder people <laughs> Because
1: you're murdering people You're a real life murderer How can you say that to me Self defense
2: Self fucking defense <laughs> This is when he turns on her and he's like, your weakness disgusts me because she's crying. And again, like just he's trying to find whatever it will take to get her to come back to him. Yeah. Which way is it? Do I have to be nice to you? Do I have to be mean to you? Do I have to belittle you? Do I have to love you? What do I have to do to Uh get you back on my side? Yeah. She's like, no, this she's why we haven't recorded a new album. I get it now. I see it now. And he's like, you know what? fuck this, where would you go if you were my Valentine? Like, basically telling her, you're right, I don't care about you. I only care about Valentine. Right. You are my stand-in for her. What would you do if you were her? Uh-huh. Because she has gone upstairs. She's trying trying to find a way out upstairs, I guess, but he very quickly finds her. She's like, well, what do you want with me, Royal? And he, it, she's like, do you want to kill me? And he's like, What? Why would I want to do that? And I love that it hadn't even uh, occurred to him that he would kill her. He intended to kill anybody else but her because he wants her. But at the same time, she makes him so mad that sometimes he is willing to kill her. Very much like in the book version of The Stand, which is where he loves Nadine, but she makes him so mad that he can't control himself because he's an evil psychopath villain demon and kills her even though he wants her to be alive. And that's basically what's happening here is that he loves and cherishes Valentine. But when she makes him mad, his murderous self cut takes over. Uh-huh. You know, very much like, well, Chucky doesn't really love Tiffany. I don't think he really loved her.
0: I think he he grows to understand that, oh, shit, no, I really want her here. Like, I really do care about her. He likes having her. her around. Right, but he writes that off as just like, I'm going to get my kicks and fuck her, you know, whatever. But I think by the end of the movie, he's like, ah oh, shit, do I really actually love her? Like, I really want her around. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's something resembling love by the end and him just coming to terms with that. And maybe learning how he should treat her because think, he loves her. Yeah,
2: I think that's more Joker and Harley. Whereas here, I think this guy genuinely does love her and would genuinely be sad if she died. But at the same time, he he wouldn't.
0: His anger it, outweighs his, his ang- yeah. Uh-huh. Yes,
2: anger out. He, he's a child. He uh-huh. never learned to deal with his emotions. You He know?
0: has temper tantrums.
2: As much as kids love their parents, what do they say to them when they're mad? I hate you. And they throw things and they hit them. He is a child. Yeah. That's what a sociopath is. It's just a child, basically. (laughs) Uh, He hasn't
0: learned that other people have feelings, too. (laughs) Or at least feelings that you're not supposed to take advantage of.
2: Anyway, he admits here, I came here to ask for your help. I wanted, or maybe he already said that to her, but now he's saying, I don't want to kill you. I came to ask for your help. And in this conversation, he goes back and forth. I'm gonna kill you, no, I love you You're the devil, oh my god, she isn't half the woman you are Yeah You know, going back and forth, and it's very much I can't live With without you Right? Am yeah, I right? uh-huh,
0: sure um, Women, right?
2: <laughs> and he says, let's start all over Which made me think of Oh, take, take me back, back to the start That's the only Coldplay song I like. And then he says, (laughs) I just wanted you to come back. And I'm like, see, all the breakup songs, they're all coming (laughs) up. And he's like, I just wanted you to apologize. But then he's like, but you're right. She did steal everything. It's time for you to finally get what you deserve. And this is when they walk in. And he is like holding her, and she is breaking. And this is when the band walks in, and they're like, "Uh, Uh, "We didn't mean to interrupt." They come (laughs) in
0: like, "Hey, you guys still open? We wanted to use our drink ticket." Oh my god, what's happening? (laughs) And of course, yes, he ends up knocking the guy over, taking the guitar string out of his pocket, and garroting him. Basically, I forget what happens to the woman. How does he kill her? She runs
2: to the door. Let us out. Let us out. Let us in, let
0: us in. But it's as he's over the top of this guitarist guy where Valentine sort of convinces Treasure. Finally
2: convinces Treasure because Treasure heard him when he said all that shit, and she heard him when he said, You're right, she stole everything. It's time to get what you deserve. She is uh-huh. half the woman you are. Yeah. And so Treasure is pissed. And he, while he is murdering this other guy, he tells her, I think, to get the woman or whatever. And she says, don't worry, babe. I've got this. Because at the same time, Valentine is looking at her like, this is our moment. This uh-huh. is our chance. And she's basically telling... Oh. No, also, Valentine asks her, do you want me to do it? I can do it. And she goes, no, babe, I've got this. And Yeah, she's talking very... to
0: both of them. Yes. In response to both of them. And she comes up to him with this mic stand.
2: And he says, aw, sweetness. And she goes, which sweetness? Trash, you can get it back in here for me now.
1: I can do this if you'd rather not. I've got it, babe. No problem.
0: Hey, give me a towel while you're at it. Sweetness?
1: Which sweetness did you mean? Her? Or me? Put that down.
2: I'm breaking up with you. And I'm just like, we are never ever (laughs) getting back together.
0: together. Smashes his face in with the base of this mic stand, which if you've ever manipulated one of those, those can be really heavy.
2: Oh, they can be very heavy.
0: Yes. Killing Royal. This is where Royal dies. But it doesn't solve Treasure's immediate problem, which is her fame, her fortune, is now going to be threatened by the reality of the fact all of her songs and her entire persona were created by Valentine.
2: And there's proof.
0: Yes. And so I don't think, did you mention earlier where when Valentine is mocking Royal, she's finally getting up the balls to tell him what she feels, and, and it really upsets him and changes his mood. Uh, she's talking into a microphone and he uses his knife to cut the microphone cord. This is what's going to kill Treasure. She's going to try to attack Valentine and ends up getting electrocuted. I don't think there's enough power in a microphone cable to kill somebody. Oh, really? I think also you would have breakers.
2: Mm.
0: I would think that would prevent that much electricity (laughs) from being pulled. But who knows? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not an expert on it. My brother's the electrician, not me.
2: Well, I thought it was funny because one of her songs is like, Electrified! And she gets electrified! (laughs) And I thought that was fun. <laughs> but also, before she kills her, Treasure says to her, Sorry, I did your thing better than you did. Yeah. And it made me think of. Don't be mad. I'm, doing, I'm doing, doing me better me than you doing you. you.
0: <laughs> Childish Gambino. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So she's dead now, having tried to kill Valentine. She electrocutes herself. And then Valentine does something that I think on the surface, if you don't think about it too hard, is a fun sort of twist of an ending. But if you think about it for even one fucking second, it makes no sense. I think you all know what's going to happen. One of the things that Valentine complained about is that Treasure ripped off her style so much that the heart-shaped, bedazzled sunglasses that she wears are literally Valentine's sunglasses that were taken from her. And now they're sitting, one end is in a pool of blood, so they have blood across the bottom.
2: I thought that part of the crystals broke up. Or
0: maybe that's what happened. That's what I thought happened. I thought it was covered in blood. But either way, it doesn't matter. It's kind of too dark to really tell. But she puts them on, and and you know what she's going to do. She is now going to impersonate treasure. She's going to be treasure, and she's going to take over her persona and get everything she wanted. And if you don't think about it, that's a fun twist. But again, think about it. if you think about it for a fucking second,
2: doesn't make any sense.
0: She has a life that you She's are completely unaware of. You think obsessed fans wouldn't recognize who you are, that you're not her? There are conspiracies about real people mm-hmm. in our world like Avril Lavigne who have been <laughs> replaced by doppelgangers. <sighs> Do you think people won't notice the minor, the most minor difference between the two of you? You have no chance of pulling this off. You don't know her social security number? How you're going to get it? You don't know where she lives? You don't have the keys? Like how are you going to get a hold of fucking anything? You just say you're her and if people look close enough at a picture, they'll know that's not the case. And she goes so far as to in some sort of press conference or at another performance, at yeah, she is revealing her true self and she doesn't want to be fake anymore. Self. Yeah. And she basically Very much like
2: that black mirror episode. she
0: turns treasure into who Valentine really is, so she doesn't have to pretend anymore other than the fact that she's gonna say she's treasure. and she's wearing those sunglasses that have that darkened bottom to one side as if there's a little twist on this persona. Uh, there's murder here, and then we get like two music videos.
2: Well, one music video and then one reel of bloopers.
0: Over music, yeah.
2: Which I, I understand that bloopers aren't a great idea when you're trying to make a horror movie, but let's be real. This wasn't a scary horror movie. Yeah, so and I thought fun. it was fine. And I, I am it was totally fun. fine with
0: that. Yeah. It's not like ending on a, oh my God, that was so powerful and moving sort of moment. So, like, yeah, put some fucking bloopers in. I don't give a shit.
2: Yeah.
0: And it was a little fun, but that's after you get an entire music video.
2: Yes. And a lot of the music video is her like oh, putting lights up next to her face. <laughs> yeah,
0: again, this is a very low budget movie. Oh, do you yes, think very low mu- budget. The yes, music yes. video is going to be high quality. Right. <laughs> it's just her in different outfits standing in place. And, yeah. But that's the end of the movie. Kelsey, what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes?
2: I'm sure it's low because I know it has a really low IMDb rating.
0: There are only nine ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. There's no Metacritic or Cinema Score.
2: I will say thirty-three.
0: Fifty-six. Oh, okay. No consensus statement. Do you think that that is overrated or underrated? Fifty-six? Yeah.
2: I'm gonna say it's pretty close to what I'm gonna give it. Okay. So it's pretty close. it's pretty close to what I think it should have.
0: What would maybe, you maybe
2: maybe slightly underrated.
0: Okay. So what would you give it?
2: i give it a fifty eight. Yeah, I mean... It would have been higher if I didn't feel weird about
0: liking it. <laughs> let, let, well, let's talk about Into the Dark, okay? We've This is our fourth Into the Dark episode, as far as I can tell. We did New Year, New You, which had a really high Rotten Tomatoes score at the time. It's probably because it was very few reviews, and it's probably a lot lower now. It was a 93, <laughs> which is like insane. It. Yeah. Yeah, you gave it a 65. I gave it a 75, But School Spirit was 50s across the board. Uh, And then Midnight Kiss was a 70. You gave it a 77. I gave it a 74. So we're kind of hit and miss on Into the Dark. Yeah, I did And none of them are transcendent.
2: Yeah, none of them are amazing.
0: So a 56 Rotten Tomatoes, you'll give it a 58. Yeah, I, I think I'll do the same. I'll give it a 58 too.
2: If this wasn't based on a
0: true story, it would have been higher. But not much.
2: Not by a lot, but it...
0: I think it would have been in the 60s, maybe high 60s. High 60s. Yeah, but I wouldn't have cracked 70, I don't think.
2: I don't think so, but
0: I feel weird about liking it. <laughs> yeah, and I think in retrospect, I probably liked New Year, New You too much. I think 75 might have been too high a score for oh, that I one. I disagree. Well, you gave it a 65. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh. I wonder what we said about that one. Go back and listen to that uh, that episode. Okay, so that is... My Valentine, thus ending our Toxic Relationships episode. Oh, man, that was kind of rough. Hopefully you're feeling okay. And if this is something that would have been too rough for you to talk about, I really hope you got out when appropriate. What are we watching next week, Kelsey?
2: Well, it's President's Day next week. (laughs) So I thought... What a better time to watch some movies that have some politics in them.
0: Okay. Love so, it. You know how much people love our politics, Kelsey.
2: <laughs> so we're going to watch The Dead Zone, which I think is a very good movie. Which I've has never an read
0: assassination it. attempt in it. Yes.
2: Never read it. I think it's very good.
0: Yeah, I've seen... I watched the TV show when it was on. Oh, did you? Yeah, with Anthony Michael Hall, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, and,
0: and then I saw the movie with Christopher Walken. So I knew the TV show first. This is before Christopher Walken was Christopher Walken. Right. But hey, it was enough to carry an entire movie.
2: Oh, no, I think he's, no, yeah. This is before he was, he's now the joke that he is.
0: <laughs> well, the joke that he's in on, I think. Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, what else?
2: And Bubba Hotep.
0: Kind of like Bubba Hotep. <laughs> Everyone like Bubba Hotep.
2: <laughs> it took
0: me a second because Kelsey told me that these movies were doing them together. And I'm like, what made you think of that combination? And she said, well, it's President's Day. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> Ozzie Davis claims to be JFK. Yes. So, like, ah, uh, it's funny. I don't think Kelsey, you've never seen this movie, right? No, I have. I own this on DVD. <laughs> I remember it was kind of a big deal in my friend group when this movie came out. Everyone liked Bubba Hotep. Hotep. <laughs> so, yeah, for President's Day, we have Dead Zone, which has a, an assassination attempt, and Bubba Hotep, which is JFK as a black man in an old folks home. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it.
2: <laughs>
0: but it's been, it's been since, like, 2002, 2003 that I've seen this movie. So it will have been like 20 years since I've seen it. I think I, I watched it once on DVD well, shit, after having already out? seen it.
2: Now you got me worried it's not a modern
0: movie. Ah, that's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, I had a limited release in September and then of 2003 and then a wide release in October of 2003. So, bam, it fits. <laughs> so that is next week. President's Day, Dead Zone, and Bubba Hotep. Until then, you can find us at our website, podcemetery.com and especially on Twitter at PodCemetery. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even bigger than that is sharing the show with your friends. And even bigger than that is just listening in the G.D. first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
2: I've been Kelsey. And
0: this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words?
2: Actually, it's an orchid. Um, Cymbidium orchid? You put it in a vase and drop an aspirin in the water, it should last you the whole week. Or so I read. (laughs)
0: But before we go Kelsey, any last words? She shakes her head at me. Ground control to Major Tom. I was watching a video about Stardust, the David Bowie biopic. Mhm. That the family refused to license the music to. Mhm. So it doesn't have any David Bowie songs in it.
1: Mhm.
0: Apparently, it's awful. <laughs> You know what?
2: Well, yeah, but I don't know. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I wouldn't talk if I were you. Then we meet our main antagonist, our main villain.
0: Wait, hold! I'm I'm really sorry. I just want to get this little coda on that conversation.
2: I'm not this frail little thing anymore, you know. Uh, fuck! I wish there was. There's a song that I know I can't think of right now. I'm not that change-up little person that I used to be. From
0: oh, I will survive. Uh, Yeah.
2: Anyway.